Alright Howlers, let's get howling, but first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy, email howlerpod at gmail.com, visit us at howlerpod.com, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. I'm not raising the roof today because Cassie's... Because you're sad. Who's fuck? Well, this is our last free read. Okay, I'll raise it a little bit. One Just hand, a little bit. One hand. You're like doing your your short bob. You're like <laughs> fixing your hair. Uh, and rate and review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, then we will kill your best friend. <laughs> <laughs> and now, Howler Pop. Cassius, don't. I warn, I must. I am Cassius Bellona, son of Tiberius, son of Julia, brother of Darrow, morning knight of the Solar Republic, and my honor remains. Hello, Howlers. It's your friendly neighborhood podcast editor, Ben here. Uh, just a quick programming note. You may have heard that intro and thought to yourself, wow, that sounds kind of funky. What happened, Ben? And you would be right. Uh, The answer is sometimes when you're recording 111 episodes of a podcast, you forget to plug your mics in. And so uh, a portion of this podcast was recorded with the computer mic. So it does sound a little funky chicken. Uh, We will not be apologizing because howlers never bow. But I did feel the need to let you know what was going on. In case you were wondering, have a great time. It's a very fun episode. Hello, Howlers. Welcome to Howler Pod, your podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Ow, ow! I am your host, Ben Reiner. I am joined today, as always. By the amazing Aaron Ayers. Low Howlers. Aaron, what are we doing today? We're wrapping this shit up. We're wrapping Brother. up Lightbringer. Chapter 84 to the end, chapter 89. And we are going to be joined by some special guests later in the podcast. Some very special guests, some our friends. S- some close Howler friends of ours. Crossland and PJ from the Words and Whiskey podcast and... The leaders of the podcast network. Atomic Pylon Media. That we are on. A part of. All right. One big family. Let's load up this star show and shoot straight into our chapter summaries. Hopefully we don't shit our suits. Chapter 84. Oh, sorry. I made you take this one. <laughs> Lysander. Hangar 17B. Lysander watches from the hangar as Atlas and his Gorgons land and return from their mission to Orpheus to capture the Edmi. Atlas is extremely cautious as usual. Lysander's freaking out, man! Because he and Cassius and Pytha have created a plan to kill Beer once the hangar is clear of Gorgons. He's happy to see that Atlas at least isn't wearing his armor as he boards the ship. Atlas is immediately annoyed because Lysander is supposed to be waiting for him in the barracks. He's not. Lysander says, my, my info just couldn't wait, boss, and proceeds to tell Fear that uh, Fa's dead, 
that Darrow killed him, and most importantly of all, that he just saw Darrow. Atlas does the full Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's like, you had my curiosity, but now you have my attention. Both huge pieces of shit. Uh, so Atlas immediately starts machine gunning questions to Lysanders, gathering all his info. He's figuring out where Darrow's been, how much mud is on his boots, etc. At the end of the conversation, Atlas grabs Lysander by the shoulders and tells him, well done. Then he asks one more question. Do they know about the Eat Me? But the jig is up for Lysander at this point. Atlas has felt the scarab skin that Lysander is wearing under his clothes. Let's get it on! <laughs> so loud. <laughs> Lysander pulls his razor and slashes at the Praetorians behind him, killing two just as Cassius pops out and fires a pulse rifle right at Atlas. Scores several direct hits. Atlas was able to activate a pulse shield on his belt, saving his life for the moment. Lysander manages to kill all the remaining Praetorians, but pays for it as Roan has shot his legs multiple times in the process. Scarabskin holds up, but barely. Kill clearance? Hell yeah! <laughs> Lysander and Roan square off as Atlas and Cassius do the same. Ronan and Lysander kick the shit out of each other. I mean, this is just, yeah. it's a straight up brawl, man. There's more cheek stabbing. It's a lot of cheek stabbing. It's a lot of knife stabbing. Knives are popping out of everywhere. Ammunition, guns, razors, aegis. Uh, it's all being used. Lysander ultimately prevails and kills Ronan, but he pays for it. My man is fucked up. Holes everywhere. Broken bones. It's bad. He drags himself over to see what is happening with Cassius and Fear. They are locked in an epic razor battle. Both have sustained serious injuries. Cassius is fighting left-handed because his right hand has been cut off. With the grace and aplomb of the best razor master in the solar system, Cassius deftly pins Fear's blade to the floor and manages to loop his own razor around Fear's neck, effectively ending the duel. He tells Fear to drop his blade and get on his knees. Lysander tells Cassius to kill him. He doesn't. Lysander urges him again to kill him. As he moves closer to Atlas's pack containing the Eden Me device, Atlas decides it's time for one last Hail Mary. He tells Cassius to ask about the weapon. It's biological. Eden Me. It can target any color. Boom! Before he can get another word out, Lysander blows his head off. Cassius is like, what the fuck was he talking about? Lysander is like, no, bro. Don't ask any more questions. Just get out of here. Get out of here! Cassius is like, tell me what's going on, man. Uh, it's me. It's Cassius. You can do it. Lysander won't. And he flashes his gun. Cassius, go! He won't! Go, Cassius! <laughs> the horror of the situation grips him. Lysander used him to kill fear. He was never going to go along with the plan that Diomedes cooked up to ally with Darrow. Lysander again tells Cassius to leave and that he shouldn't try to stop him. Cassius says, but I must. He charges Lysander, who unloads the clip of his gun directly into the man he once called brother, Cassius falls into Lysander's arms as he dies. Lysander sees there is one bullet left in his clip. 
And he thinks about it. Killing himself? Yeah. And he then opens up the pack to see his precious Eid me. Fucker. Afterward, Lysander drags himself down the hallway, yelling that assassins have attacked him and set a very convenient fire in the hangar. He calls for Kyber and gives her special instructions to kill some disloyal Praetorians, recover the Edmi device, and capture Pytha, but don't hurt her. He is then whisked away to a medical team, who he tells to only patch what they need to keep him alive, because it's time for some classic Lysander maximum drama. I hate him so much. <laughs> I was like mad at you while you were reading that. Like, I tried to make him sound like a real asshole. He is a real asshole. He is. He's maximum asshole. <laughs> Chapter 85, Darrow, Dusk and Dawn. Darrow is worried about Cassius up on the Lightbringer. They've heard no word from him or from Lysander since their meeting. Darrow is escorted by Dustwalkers to a private meeting with Gaia and Diomedes. Gaia tells Darrow she won't lend him her support. And Darrow's like looking at Diomedes like, what the fuck? Am I going to die here? Darrow realizes that she's going to let Atlas get away with it. She wants to keep his involvement a secret. She says Loon will destroy the terrorist daughters and the Volk, and Gaia will destroy Darrow. <laughs> She's like so crusty. Yeah. She goes on a huge space racist rant about the hierarchy. Do your duty. <laughs> <laughs> she tells Diomedes to kill Darrow here and now. Diomedes watches his grandma in silence through all of this. Then he kneels in front of her with Pyphoros wrapped around his neck and hands her the handle. And Daryl's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> he says that gold has failed its duty. How are the daughters terrorists? They have been the only ones protecting the people. Yeah. Diomedes will reform the laws and dismantle the hierarchy in time. Diomedes won't swallow the lie of Atlas. He won't make nice with Atalantia. He's going to do what's right, Grandma. Grandma. Crusty old whore. Yeah. He didn't say Stop that. Stop popping off at Thanksgiving, Grandma. Oh my God, Grandma. You're so embarrassing. <laughs> you can't say that out loud, Grandma. <laughs> so basically, Diomedes, uh, he tells Gaia that he won't learn any other way he's set on this path. So she must kill him if she can't accept it. Gaia throws a fit, but ultimately she breaks down in tears. She can't kill her last grandson. Diomedes tells her that she must support his cause. She resists, but then gives in in the end. My little storm. <laughs> they head to the summit together. Chapter 86, Darrow, Nival Knight. Darrow waits outside the House of Bounty. He hears Diomedes becoming the hegemon, and then he appears, wearing a new cloak, and calls Darrow into the room. There, Darrow must face the Moon Lords he once betrayed. He first presents him with the head of Volsung Fa. It's a good start. It's a gift. Yeah. <laughs> then he owns the whole betrayal of their alliance thing. Sorry. Like, My bad. And then he finally asks for their formal pardon so that they can, you know, get this alliance going. The Moon Lords in attendance are uh, pretty unimpressed. Diomedes steps in to help the situation. He's like explaining it along. Uh, he wants to join up with Daryl and Lysander against Ly 
Atalantia, she's the true threat. They'll never be able to hang out here in Ilium without it, uh, without getting rid of her. So the Moon Lords are like, okay, but uh, where's Lysander? And Diomedes is like, he's definitely coming any second now. <laughs> uh, why don't you just talk amongst yourselves for a little bit? Uh, an attendant pulls him aside. Okay, great. They're receiving a typing message from Ly uh, Lysander on the Lightbringer. This is great news. Uh, only Darrow is like, why is he sending a message and not actually coming to the meeting? Darrow is not naive. No. He's used to people <laughs> screwing him over. <laughs> Chapter 87, Darrow, Cassus Belli, which means an act or situation provoking or justifying war. I looked it up. Yeah, good job. <sighs> Lysander appears on the hollow on the bridge of the Lightbringer with hundreds of golds behind him. Lysander is in bad shape after an apparent fight. Lysander then gives one big old bullshit speech about how Diomedes is in bed with Darrow and sent assassins to kill him. How dare he? Lysander only lives thanks to the sacrifice of Roan. Like, you fucking... I hate this guy. Uh, <laughs> how dare you? I can't stand uh, these, like, I obvious lies. I know, I can't stand the drama... Lysander. Ugh. He just plays up the propaganda it's stuff. Disgusting. It's... So, Lysander, even worse, then has Cassius's corpse mm. dropped down by a rope. Just brutal. Hanging by his neck. Darrow can't take it. He stops following the conversation. Diomedes is yelling. He's like, liar! Fucking idiot! Diomedes has never been so animated in his life. Lysander denies Atlas's involvement. He tells... Diomedes and the Moon Lords that they have been manipulated by Darrow. He's making it sound like Darrow was the one orchestrating the entire attack on Ilium and then coming in to act like the savior. He's like trying to spin his own story as if that's what Darrow did. Why the fuck would Darrow do that? Yeah. Makes no sense. Gaia jumps in, also yelling at Lysander. She's saying she spoke to her Atlas herself. Lysander's like, you're lying. You're the one who wants a war with the core. Mm -hmm. Like, you're a great spy master. Of course you would say you spoke to Atlas. Mm -hmm. Classic Lysander. Yes. Lysander then says, we can all be chill if you kill Darrow right there, right now. <laughs> the Moon Lords all stand up in unison. They don't kill guests, bro. It's oh, like man. their main thing. <laughs> he ate bread. He ate the bread, man. He's full of carbs. <laughs> and he's not dying. <laughs> Lysander is like, well, okay, that's about all. Good luck. And then he sends bombs to destroy the garter like a bitch. Bombs are a bitch boy tool. Guns <laughs> and bombs. Then he bombs the summit. Yeah. So the Moon Lords are all very ill-prepared in their slippers. They evacuate toward the main exit by Rose, but Darrow notices a pillar falling over the entrance. He jumps into action and catches the column before it blocks the only exit. He's joined by Diomedes and others until it's about to crush him and they all jump through the exit and Darrow gets hit in the back of the head and probably is concussed. <laughs> Gaia reaches down and helps Darrow up and they run on. Thanks, Gaia. They, finally. She's such, she's full of... She's, she's yin and yang in herself. <laughs> yeah. She just can't decide she's... if she wants to be a bitch or not. He's a Shrek onion. Lots of layers. Lots of layers. And they keep getting peeled back. <laughs> and they're all different. 
<laughs> so they run on, uh, Gaia and all the Moon Lords and Darrow. When they turn, they see behind them the House of Bounty falls into the abyss. Then they all file into a passageway that's in a statue, and they descend down and down into bunkers. Diomedes and all but the oldest of the Moon Lords go to the garages to help those still on the surface. Gaia says, carry me, Gaia, to Darrow. <laughs> they follow Diomedes to the surface. But do they get there? Chapter 88, Lysander, the Sack of Demeter. Lysander watches on as his legions plunder Demeter's garter for all she's worth. All those house botanists and horticulturists are having a grand old time pulling up trees and taking stock of all the money they're going to make <laughs> by turning Mercury into the new farm capital of the solar system. Pallas and Lysander shoot the shit as they watch the trees get loaded up. Pallas is quite happy with this whole situation. This She's venture. also kind of like, you're not going to kill me, right? Yeah. This venture out to the Ilium has worked out quite well for her and for her benefactor. Lots of money was made. Uh, Lysander has made his reputations and his allies a bunch of cash. Pallas says she will shore things up with the Lady Bologna about that whole murdering her son thing. Uh, she is still a mother, after all. Lysander... He needs to shore things up with his old friend, Cicero, whose tender heart is having a tough time with this whole destroying the rim's food supply stuff. Cicero, he's a defender of the weak. <laughs> he manages to talk it through with Cicero as they watch some brown growers burn along with their sacred olive trees. It's really precious stuff. Next up, we've got to patch things up with Pytha, or try to anyway. Uh, Lysander had the Archimedes recovered from where it was left, and he is going to let Pytha go. He can't bring himself to kill her too. Pytha, to her credit, hates his guts now, and she is not as nice to Lysander as he would have liked. But he allows her to take Cassius' body with her so he can be returned to his friends. I'm just... That whole part just makes me so Yeah, mad. thanks. It's like, she was not very warm. It's like, well... <laughs> she knows that fear was there. That you're a piece of shit. Uh, Pytha leaves after a frosty goodbye. And uh, Lysander is now back with Cicero. And they're looking at the readouts of Europa. They're seeing some ships gathered there. There's like a fleet. Some older rim ships... They're joining up with the Volk Dreadnoughts. They look at it and decide, eh, it's not worth it. We've got so much fucking money here and plants and shit. Gotta go plant our plants. Uh, on Mercury. Let's, let's, go, let's go home. We need to see the sun and they'll fight another day. So uh, then at the end of the chapter, Lysander's now sitting alone in his room. He pulls out the Eidme and he looks at two of the cubes, gold and red. And, and thinks about which he's going to use first. Which one will it be? Chapter 89, Darrow, the only path. The last chapter. Here we go. Darrow emerges from the bunker three weeks after Lysander's attack on the garter. They got trapped inside. Ash snows down on the buildings and the air is cold. Volga and the daughters are doing triage on Io. They're the ones who dug the Moon Lords out. Gaia scowls at them all as she emerges. 
<laughs> Are we to kiss their feet? And Diomedes is like, I don't kiss feet. Severo. Back then, to racist grandma. Yeah. She's racist again. She's been in a bunker for three weeks. Give her a few minutes. Severo scampers up and wraps Darrow in a hug. Darrow breaks down, clinging to him, and Severo clings back. Volga comes down. She has rubbed ash on her face in shame. Lyria is there with soot-stained hands, showing that it was her idea. She rubbed the ash. <laughs> Come here, big lady. <laughs> ash your face. I like this. Diomedes and Volga snip at each other a little bit, and then Volga draws Fa's warsaw out and breaks it over her knee, tossing the tip to Diomedes and keeping the handle for herself. So you remember its edge and who holds the grip. <laughs> Athena's like, okay. Your Volga's getting really good. I can pull it out of my ass. <laughs> Athena, yep, that's where it comes from. <laughs> Athena's like, okay, can we get on with it before we all kill each other? They all sit down and sign a treaty where all parties are unhappy with the outcomes, which means that it's probably the only treaty anyone would sign. Mm. It binds them all to a declaration of war on the society as a whole, not just Atalante and Lysander. Get their ass. Darrow says, this document doesn't mean anything. We can't afford not to trust one another. Like, we have no other choice than to do this. Ori then speaks up. She senses that they are all growing toward the light. They all represent a people who yearn for something more. From this ash, freedom will grow. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Ori. That's nice. The meeting comes to a close, and they all start going their separate ways. Volga says she'll kill Lysander. He broke Lyria's heart. See, I may ask. <laughs> Darrow gives Pyphoros back to Athena, and she tells him cows and pigs are his sentence to feed them and don't break all their ships. She gives him back. She gives it back to him, right? I don't remember. I think so. But she doesn't say. He like, tries to, to give it to her, and she. She doesn't say you have to die. She's now. like, I, you keep it. Which basically means he's no longer sentenced to. The daughter's wrath, right? Mm-hmm. The sentence is cows and pigs and grain. Uh, Darrow th- then thanks Are for giving him the path to the veil for saving his soul. Are says that Darrow saved Cassius' soul, that he made him feel loved. And he did, brothers. Then the mismatched fleet, they all depart Io. Twelve hours out from Io, they receive a hail from the Archimedes. Darrow goes into the ship. Cassius' broken body has been cleaned and clothed and is in a funeral torpedo stamped with the sigil of his house. Darrow touches his hair, still just as golden in death. Severo comes in telling Darrow that Pytha said that he killed Atlas, the man who killed fear. Then the two go into Cassius' room. There's a hollow projector on with an image of two shivering boys in a lock with a wolf-like creature slinking around the edges. Several had looked through Cassius's hollow deck. He's uh, got like hundreds of House Institute footage loaded onto it. Several says, it's a long trip home. Where should we start? Then the two of them sit and watch the hollows as they fly towards home. That's good Are stuff. Are you okay? That's good stuff right there. I know. Ugh. Mm. It's like... This has been a lot happier with Cassius. The last chapter is killer. Ore's quotes to Oh, yeah, Darrow. Lyria. 
Lyria. Lyria is the one who got me when she like uh, hugs Dara around the yeah. waist. She just goes, she's "This sucks." She's like, "Shit." <laughs> her main line. And then Severo's not an asshole. Yeah, he's like doing jokes that Cassius would like. He's mm-hmm. like, "You wouldn't get it." Yeah, man. Ben, what is the theme for these chapters? Honor, because it remains forever. Forever. Yes, we're going to talk about honor. Um, several characters with honor. We know. We all know who uh, is inspiring this week's theme, and that's Cassius. And of course, his iconic quote. I'm not even going to put. I'm not going to bury the lead here. We just got to listen to this. This is my literal favorite quote in the entire series. Take it away, Nick. Cassius, don't. I warn. I must. I am Cassius Bologna, son of Tiberius, son of Julia, brother of Darrow, morning knight of the Solar Republic, and my honor remains. Ugh, I almost cried. I know to do. <laughs> I'm glad we get that quote twice this week. <laughs> oh, man. Your and honor does remain, his, sir. His honor does remain, and it's ultimately his honor that drives him to this act, right? I mean, he just can't can't let it stand without taking his own personal stand. To me, it, it you know, it calls back to that moment when he's saving the low colors on IO. Same thing, he's jeopardizing the mission, but he just can't let something that's not right stand. And in this situation, what Lysander is doing is wrong. And Cassius is ultimately trying to like, bring him back to like the person he thinks that Lysander is. Mm-hmm. But we all know. But we've lost that. We've lost that person. And did we ever have him? <laughs> Was he ever that person? No. He's a loon. He's a loon. He'll always be a loon. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, we argue about this a lot. I still wish Cassius would have chosen to live for us. <laughs> Yeah. But this is what he thinks is right in this moment. And he thinks it will make a difference mm-hmm. in Lysander's actions in the future. So yeah. I guess we'll see. But in this book, it doesn't make a lot yeah. of difference. He's going to be that millstone. That he's that guilt is going to... I mean, his is his idea, but he's going to play on Lysander in the future. And, and maybe it will. I am losing faith in that. But I think... Red God, we should... There should be, like, a part where he... There's a a moment of a stumbling block because of this. Right. I think, ultimately, it'll be the inverse of this that will bring him down. That's his pride. And, you know, his just inability to recognize, like, these things that Cassie's trying to point out to him. Like... To himself, you know, the, the lack of honor that Lysander has will come back to yes, bite him. Yes, his honor does not remain. Yeah. Next up, we have Gaia. She's trying to call to Diomedes to bring back his the honor that she wants him to have, saying, like, you're the future. We've been fighting for this for thousands of years. Yeah, she's of years. thinking of honor in one way. Diomedes has, he's like, 
It's new definition He's of like, honor. Grandma, grandma. we're grandma. I am, this is honorable. Yeah. Like, listen to what I'm saying. Right. And why I'm saying it. So, yeah. take it away, Nick. You betray all your ancestors. Our family has been devoured. You are our future. I am, Diomedes says. So believe in me. I will honor Akari. I will protect the people. I will bring order. But in my own way. I love that last line. But in my own way. Like, Diomedes is truly like, we're doing it different. He's like, <laughs> he's like Grandma, we've evolved. <laughs> yes. Like, clearly your way isn't working. Look at this shit. Yeah. And Diomedes' honor specifically is important throughout this entire section in several different ways. Like he's got this agreement with Darrow where like he's really in, in Darrow's hands, especially in this specific moment. I mean, not in Darrow's hands, but Darrow is in Diomedes' hands, mm-hmm. um, especially in this specific moment because they are completely fucked at yes. this point. Yes. And Darrow is as good as dead right. at this point as well. If Diomedes doesn't take this stand. Well, it's all parties. Yeah. It's like they're all fucked if they don't all right. swallow pride and yeah. do the honor thing. Right. Work together. And Diomedes has this agreement with the daughters that he had made previously. And he's like, he's like, I'm not going to break that. So, I mean, like his honor is a huge theme throughout this section. Mm-hmm. Like he's really the piece and the person that kind of holds this whole thing together here at the end because it. It almost unravels, but it's actually Diomedes who's the one who saves it. And it's ultimately his honor that is the thing that kind of binds this together and allows that agreement at the end to take place. And then we also have the honor of the Moon Lords. And specifically, this is when Darrow's in the House of Bounty and Lysander has just delivered his message. And he's like, go ahead and kill Darrow, please. Yeah, and, and the Moon Lords they all are, stand up. They're right. like, "Fuck you, dude!" And this is a fantastic moment. Like, yeah, they even like were listening to him until he said that with their fucking rad as fuck staffs. Well, I know we've talked about this previously in our Insta reaction, but like, I want we all a fucking a staff. Moon Staff yeah. so bad. That's number not, one. On not if it comes at the price of me getting crushed by falling rock, <laughs> but. Just there's no chance of power death. rankings of like things that I want from the Red Rising universe. We we should get Red Prince Rising, our friend Jesse, to make you a, a, a staff that should have like your favorite things, like your dog and wrestling and Star Wars, like you know, yeah, and Red Rising. Cassius, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I want a Moon Lord staff so bad. I think that's that would be above like a razor for me. Like, give me a. Oh yeah, the razor still. The razor, I would just end up cutting my toe off or something. Right, or like tangling it up. Yeah, but I love this. First of all, I love them just taking the stand in this moment. You should be like, no, we're not. You know, we're not the same ilk as you, and I just love like this Moony culture. And that it doesn't allow them, like, this person's a guest, so it just doesn't allow them to, you know, betray Darrow in this moment. That is their honor. Like, they do what they say. And I love that about the Moon Lords. Like, they're very blunt, very straightforward, and Mm -hmm. just, like, 
it's not going to be a bunch of like Lysander trickiness. Right. You know? So this is a, a great like triumphant moment. Let's hear Nick here. The Moon Lords, who so far have been entertaining Lysander's Tower of Lies and allowing him to cast the shadow of doubt over Diomedes' honor, now show their true character. Without even looking at one another, they stand in unison against the ultimatum. Pride may be their folly, but it is also their beauty. Again, that last line is just perfect. Pride may be their folly, but it is also their beauty. Yeah. And that is really like... like, (laughs) They'll die for their pride. Yeah, at the same time, it's like what you admire about them most is probably going to get them killed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and some of them do get killed. But yeah. also, like, Lysander's blowing them up no matter what they do. Right. They could kill Darrow right then, and then he'd still blow them sure. up. Sure. Yes. That's so. a good call. Yeah. Uh, and then our last uh, quote here uh, is in reference to the this alliance and the agreement that's made. And mm-hmm. just kind of like... The Ten Commandments. Yeah. The tablet. Yes. <laughs> The honor of all parties involved. Like, they all now kind of owe each other or something. And that's a lot of what Darrow Mm -hmm. talks to is, like, they have to rely on each other. And it's kind of their word is now, like, uh, what matters the most. And, like, yeah, they wrote this down and they signed it or whatever in blood. But, like, it's about actions now and, and, and holding themselves to it because they're literally all that they have. Uh, which is another great moment. So let's hear this quote. Uh, Our last quote of the season. It is a vague document and carries none of the reforms to the hierarchy that Diomedes agreed to in private, but it is consequential for five reasons. It provides dominion amnesty without expiration for all daughters of Athena, as well as promises of due process in legal proceedings for all colors. It pronounces the Vogue's oath to never venture beyond the asteroid belt, it formalizes a military alliance between the Republic and the Rim Dominion for a period of 10 years. And it binds all parties to a declaration of war against the society. Not Lysander, not Atlantia, not whomever rises if they fall, but the society itself. Take it down. <laughs> Let's go. Kill the society. <laughs> yes. So, knowing... All the characters that are in this document, it is very much based on honor. Like, each person's honor to follow through. Like, Diomedes has proven that he does that, but then he's trusting, like, Volga. He didn't know Volga. For her to control the Volk and Uh then, like... And do it on her honor. Right. And then the, the daughters of Athena are obviously, like, have a million reasons to mistrust the Rem... Uh, same thing with the rim for the daughters of Athena. They yeah. almost see them as like they're like, like Gaia they literally our, sees them as terrorists. Yeah, they stole all our ships. <laughs> yeah, she's like, we could have won if we had our ships. Yeah. Like, I don't think you could have. <laughs> it would have all been blown up. Yeah, and they're old anyways. It's like, come on. But yeah, so like they they're each like have a piece of this now, and they all have to kind of like hold their weight in a certain way and honor this agreement. So uh, this theme of honor runs throughout these chapters in several different ways. I think inspired by our man Cassius, but lots of different characters and specifically Diomedes, I think mm-hmm. have a lot of call outs their to, honor remains. to their honor. Yep. So, okay. This is a, <sighs> we're going to bring this back for a pseudo 
it's not really a Cassius moment, but it's a... I'm glad we got one last. It's a, what would Cassius do? <laughs> yeah, what would Cassius do? So how was Cassius Hilarious today post-mortem? Post-mortem. <laughs> and we do get that one last joke, and I think it's perfect. And it's in that moment in the House of Bounty, they've been attacked. And Darrow's thinking... Darrow's thinking about Cassius because he just found out he's dead. Yeah. And they're finally, they like made it out of there, right? He held the pillar, his shoulders all fucked up. And they're all huddled there, like bleeding and looking at each other. And he's thinking about what Cassius would say in that moment. And it's, you really think, you really should think about changing the slipper policy, (laughs) which is just perfectly Cassius. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think because he got hit in the head and probably was (laughs) concussed, do you think like, Cassie's spirit came to him yeah, and said like the joke. Flowing through him yes. in that moment. <laughs> yeah. As he goes to the veil, he passes through. <laughs> you really should think about changing the slipper policy. Okay, well, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're bringing on special guests. All right. Please welcome to the Hellerpod stage, Cross and PJ of the Words and Whiskey podcast. Pew, 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 pew. What up? Welcome. Hello. Welcome, boys. <laughs> boys? Hi. Lads. Lads. I'm a 30-year-old now. Young men. <laughs> Welcome <Yay>. to your 30s. <laughs> now you know how Darrow feels. Old, jaded, and grumpy. You've always been feeling that already. And of course, if this is your first time hearing from Cross and PJ, they've been on the podcast before. Um, you can go check out our Dark Age book draft. Yes. I believe that was a fun mm-hmm. time. Uh, we've Twice. also appeared on the Words and Whiskey podcast. For many episodes. Numerous 40 episodes. 40 episodes. An entire season. For, 42 <laughs> yes. episodes. Yeah. For the green... With uh, Thomas as well from Greenbone Saga. Yes, we talked all about the, the Greenbone, Greenbone Saga, Saga together with these guys. We also did a couple Red Rising yeah. episodes, yeah, I yeah. believe. That's right? my 42 number, yeah. by the way, because it's mm-hmm. like a lot of Greenbone and then a little <laughs> bit of Red Rising. <laughs> and then Cross flew to KC, and the three of us drove to HallerCon together. Yes. So now we're in-person friends. We're for real <laughs> friends. Yeah. Yes. And Ben's met PJ in person. Very true. I have not. I have. So he I've could had, be real. Right. I don't know. I've seen PJ. He's very tall. I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, that's true. We we ate a bunch of Mediterranean food and drank a bunch of good beer and whiskey. It was a great, great Minnesota words and whiskey. Words and whiskey. Yes. So tell us how can the listeners find your podcast? Well, uh, Google's great. We're really good on Google. We're really there. Uh, No. And if nobody has like listened to your podcast before, yes, tell us about what it. Is it what um, it's about. So you can find us anywhere that you can find podcasts. We're Words and Whiskey. If you want to find us on our website, wordsandwhiskey.show, we're available everywhere that you can imagine. We're just kind of as like a quick summary, and then I'll, I'll let PJ interject too. Uh, the, the whole project started because PJ wasn't a very big reader, and I was like, I think that I can get him into reading with a couple of my favorite sci-fi books. And so we started with a little bit of Blake Crouch on the side while we were practicing, but Red Rising was our like first initial and always perpetual love because I needed to make someone else read the series with me, and this was my way of tricking <laughs> someone into doing that. So yeah, since we've covered uh, Red Rising, 
all of the Mistborn series, obviously the Greenbone Saga, and we are continuing it now into the first law. So we're in the middle of the blade itself. Ooh. Mm. And Cross, you're the one who, who I got know. me to read that. It's so good. Ben, you got to start. We need a guest for episode one. I'm do, going do, to. Aaron, really do you want to come it. on? I have a guest for two and yes. three, but. Not you. Ben, if you finish it, you can. <laughs> you have three weeks. <laughs> That's uh, two straight episodes of you flipping me off. I love by it. The way. It feels um, natural. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a quick read. You could read it. Really I know. Quick. I need to. I have it. It's going to be my next read. I'm trying to get the book that I'm reading right now finished, but this podcast keeps fucking getting in the way of me actually. It truly does. This is your yeah. fault. Yeah. I definitely get that <laughs> as I'm rereading again another book that I've already read. I know, and I keep picking too long of books. Like it's like a good six hundred pager, and I'm like, it's what we love. A solid three seventy five <laughs> in right now, so I'm like, just get me to the end of this. I'm thing. still on yeah the wise man's mm. fear still. Yeah, I got past the fairy mm. porn though. <laughs> I told you it was coming. <laughs> I heard. I heard. <laughs> I heard it's a lot. I was like. I- I feel I feel tainted in my like read of how long a short book is because like the blade itself feels like a quote unquote short book based on what we've been reading and it is five hundred and one <laughs> pages long. Well then you read something like Murderbot and you're like, Where's the next page? It's hundred and forty pages. It yeah. was the shortest book. I literally breathed out and it was over. So mm-hmm. you get used to it, PJ. Book life. I, book life? Yeah. <laughs> Big yeah. books for life. Uh, PJ, did you want to add anything? Yeah. As as a little bit of a teaser for the future, Crossland's actual reason for getting me to start this podcast, the the, the mastermind reason, is to get me to read the Dark Tower, mm-hmm. and that series is coming up soon. We almost did that next, uh, but we chose the First Law instead. I'm extremely excited for that. I've never read that. See, Ben, you can be the guest on that one. Hey, you should read it. Isn't it Stephen King? It is. That's scary. Yeah. It's not that yeah. scary. <laughs> <laughs> if you can get past the first yep. book, you're no, good. The, the rule is you have to get past the first book, and then you're good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Makes so me want to read the it. Other, oh, <laughs> the other feature of our show is we... we uh, have a cocktail every episode and Crossland and I had a plan to do an Aaron and Ben theme tonight. I, did. I don't know if Crossland actually <laughs> did that. Did you? Okay. Yeah. So, tequila. Good, good thought, I, uh, <laughs> I made a fancy schmancy old fashioned for Ben. Nice. Um, it is a rye maple old fashioned uh, with a lemon peel instead of a, uh, instead of an orange peel and using uh, <laughs> my, way too nice uh 15 year seagrass rye <laughs> fancy uh so yeah it's in honor of cassius delicious high proof yeah. eagles respite uh, yeah. and ben. Uh, i made a negroni but a modified negroni <laughs> because negroni sisters for life but <laughs> yes shout out the Greenbone saga episodes um yeah, so it, it's a it's a solid solid spin. I added a little bit. I like adjusted the ratio to fit, and then I also threw in a couple of dashes. Did you do it? No, spagliato. I did not do it spagliato. I did not buy myself. <laughs> yeah, Didn't mix not it this up. time. <laughs> yes, both Cross and PJ make some very impressive cocktails on their show. My main regret from you visiting was that you I know didn't make next time, next cocktail. time. I know we spend a lot of time. That's <laughs> why we have to beer. go. 
we gotta go to North beer. Carolina so that he can make us cocktails. And then Ben and I are drinking Topo Chico. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Oh, it's high noon. High noon. <laughs> Whoops. You don't even know what it is. <laughs> what was behind? <laughs> and mine's strawberry and Ben's is lime. Mm, and the good. one he spilled on the floor was also lime. Lime. Yes. There's a lot of wires around here. <laughs> um <laughs> Well, cool. We appreciate you guys so much for joining us. Some of our favorite people to talk to and very excited to talk about the end of Lightbringer. Wow. So Cross, uh, we went to HowlerCon together. Cross appeared on our HowlerCon episode. He got to talk about his Lightbringer feelings at that time. But PJ, as part of their the function of their show... He had to wait. He wasn't allowed to go to Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> and I I wasn't allowed to read the book for like another four months, five months. I mean, we like finished that. in December at the very least. So like there's that. But yeah, it took it took yeah. a bit. Yes. Okay. Okay. And he had to read it, you know, like a chunk at a time. Yeah. And then talk rough. about it and week to week. So PJ, I want to know, like, what is your Lightbringer personal review thoughts reaction laid out for us here that's a lot to that's a lot to tackle at once <laughs> i love this book I, who, who fucking doesn't Some people wow. don't. <laughs> they're wrong okay we kick, we'll kick them out they're yeah kick them out <laughs> they, shouldn't, they shouldn't listen to this i think it is solidly number two in the series for me uh right behind dark age oh my god i, I know i know that's like a <laughs> Some people, I, I don't know. It's I don't know why. I just, I Who love Dark Age so much. Was, someone else had Dark Age. And There's then, a lot like, of I think Zev like did that, on one of the, yeah. I think Zev said that it was, was still it his favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. You guys are massive. Um, <laughs> but I, I felt like all of our perspectives and all of the auxiliary characters that we get throughout the story have so much more depth than they have in the past their their emotional states are are really forward and uh great to experience i loved all of the rim and all of the extra sort of exposure we get to that i've always been sort of enamored with their culture and uh this didn't disappoint in that mm, in that yeah. sense yeah we, we've been talking about that the last few weeks here how much mm-hmm. we're just enjoying the journey out to the rim and how awesome that's been tell me about reading it week to week did you did you peak did you have like was how tough was that first of all and then i know that you do a lot of like predictions while you're going along do you have anything like completely wild uh that you would like to share with the the i'm gonna i'm gonna look through our notes uh, while pj recounts that real quick yeah yeah Yeah, let's see i i can't i I am notoriously bad at remembering things that I say yeah, on the me show. And PJ. Yeah, <laughs> but I know I know I've had some baller predictions in the past before. I don't know if any of them uh, came true in in Lightbringer, but reading it week to week is tough for sure. But also, I, as as we stated, I'm a pretty slow reader, and I'm also pretty busy. Uh, so it's nice to only have that like small section to focus on. And it gets me to really hone in on that section and, right. and digest as much of it as possible. Um, it's a very different way to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, I went through the entirety of the series like that before going back and rereading any of them. Mm-hmm. 
and then I read uh, Red Rising through Dark Age as a as a full blitz before mm. getting oh. into Lightbringer. Yeah. And that's such a different experience. <laughs> I bet. It, it is it is wildly different, and I don't think I'd say better or worse. J- just a very Shay. different way. To I didn't ruin his experience. <laughs> no, no. It's, Cross is it's also great. like notorious for cutting off at like the very very good cliffhanger parts. <laughs> good, or I would say painful. Yeah. The... <laughs> but yeah, there is a lot when you when you read it without stopping you miss a lot which is why i like rereads because mm-hmm. like every i mean even this week there were tons of things i missed because mm-hmm. you know i went through it so quick the first time yep so yeah honing in then you like really get all the nuances i want to bring up one of the predictions that we had here from the beginning <laughs> yeah. uh so pj very early on thought that and like continued to kind of go down this rabbit hole often throughout our listen of uh, Ore being like a siren that was really going to be a bad person in the end. Like was really going to like jump out and be like the holy terror boss man of the whole organization. (laughs) Yeah. Don't trust no hoes. No joke. (laughs) Could still happen. Could still happen. I like that. I mean, that's, I think that's a pretty fair prediction. Yeah. For sure. With her. I think she was set up that way though. Like, I I, I feel like it was, um, Maybe intentional to make us not quite trust her, right? A lot away. of yeah, very shadowy figure. Yeah, shadow and storm. <laughs> it's uh, I'm trying to think of the uh, some of the other ones. So there was like Tharsis, PJ thought was going to play a bigger role in the story right off the bat, and then it was like, oh, buddy, head head in a vase clamped shut. And then you know, there's one that's kind of unresolved, and maybe we'll get to this when we talk a little bit about Red God. But the uh, the sort of Who's feeding Mustang information was kind of a big conspiracy thing for PJ that kind of spiraled out. Yeah, well, we're all you think? we're both pretty confident that it's the abomination, right, PJ? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah we're on that same train. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, but I I thought it could have been Valdir? yes at the time. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Right away. Yeah. I thought that was a possibility. I've yeah I've heard that floated around too. But he's in a cage. He is. So. He was. Not anymore, though. That's true. Yeah. But he was when she was getting intel, right? That's true. But we didn't know that. That's true. Yep. Yeah. Lots of lots of little details flying All around. Truths. So it's, uh, yeah. it's a good one. It's got to be hard to guess the future thing. Like, even, <laughs> like, predictions for Red God, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to put my foot in my mouth well i'm super glad I, to hear that you enjoyed it uh yes. because we really loved it and this ending man fun. is such a fucking hammer on this book and i this happens with every red rising book i feel like it's just like the end is just like there so fast and then it happens all so quickly and you're like what's happening to my story it's like crumbling out of your fingers at the very end <laughs> And like all your char- favorite characters like are the dying, never, and, and the never-ending like, story—it's yes. all blowing away. Say my name. <laughs> I, I've never seen the oh. never-ending story. Oh, it's an acid it's super trip. Good. I've heard. I mean, These I've heard you big, talk about it a strong. lot, yeah. dude. That affected me. <laughs> I can tell. The horse <laughs> dies of you sadness. You bring it up a lot in the swamp of sadness. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I like was. I cry the rest of the movie because of that. <laughs> Anyways. 
What were we talking about? The book dissolving <laughs> at the end. We're, we're talking <laughs> the story about ends. yes, the, story ends. the end well, of the book here. This time, rereading this final chapter, it reminds me of the Lord of the Rings, like the very end when Gandalf's like, "All right, guys," and it's like, doo, 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 doo. and everyone's like waving and okay, take your packs. And then I was like, that's kind of what they all did. They all like turned and. Left. Got on their own ships. <laughs> said goodbye. Yeah, this one kind of ends in medias rest to some degree. Like it's like clearly there is yeah. a next step. There's a next stage here that we're about to engage with, and that it it does. I mean, I I've said this before, and I think I said it on the podcast, and I may have said it to you guys previously. But these two this this four book end series here feels like two duologies of two books, and so like I won't. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'll even be able to fairly judge Lightbringer as an entry until I have the other half of the duology, but it, right now it's my favorite book. Mm-hmm. So nice, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I love that it is kind of does definitely seems like Iron Gold and Dark Age are a pair. Lightbringer and Red God are going to be a pair mm-hmm. here, especially kind of how they're separated mm-hmm. in the timeline a little bit. So let's talk chapters eighty-four through eighty-nine. And where else can we start but Hangar 17B, baby. <laughs> Which is why we're all wearing black morning right night. now. <laughs> yeah. Morning. Get it? Morning. We are morning. All right. What do you guys think? Was this like a fitting send-off for a fantastic character or gone too soon? How are, what are you, your feelings? Were you like pissed off? I think off? both can be true. What I do think you mean that's fitting? Yeah. <laughs> this is not a fitting execution <laughs> for our boy. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that it's a great like swan sure. song yeah. to his character. Yes. I know. I hate <laughs> that. <laughs> Tell me about it. I just wish like even again, when I read it again, I was like, and this is just my second read through it, this reread. And I was just like, I feel the same way. Like, why didn't he just leave? Lysander gives him like so many opportunities. And it's like, even he even is like holding the gun, like, dude, fucking go. Like, I just wish he would have gone. And then he could tell Darrow about Edme. Well, we already, we still, uh, but I like, don't Pytha think he why doesn't he say, I don't what? think at that point, I think Lysander is past yeah. the point of letting him go personally, but yeah, but I, would agree. I, I, I think he might've let him go. <laughs> He's saying, turn around and leave. But it's Cassius. Like why? He does this earlier in the book. I'll fight his, all of you. His character is set up to do this. He goes and saves those low colors when he's like uh, uh, putting the whole mission in trouble. But Daryl goes and saves him. But this is the exact same situation. He can't just let something slide like that. I, I'm just yeah. saying. And he 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 could go tell Darrow, and then they can fix it together, like they always do, brothers. <laughs> so, but. He has a response, like he feels a responsibility <laughs> exactly. for Lysander, and he explicitly tells him, like, if if you're going to go through with this, I'm going to be the millstone around your neck. Like, yeah, but he, Lysander's he's not just gonna into a psychopath, so he don't give a fuck. That's true. <laughs> yeah. You don't think he gives a fuck at all? He seems to be doing okay when he's like, "I'm gonna be rich with all my plants." This is me, like, I, I don't know. I see him like a lot of that as kind of a front for like you know killing the boy and just like but i do think like there's becoming a haughty gold an an emotional weight to that situation and that's gonna eat away again i hope i'm sure we will see it come up it i'm hoping it makes him trip and die in Mm -hmm. red god 
I, yeah. Pierce will give us yeah. I, just to kind of add into to what you guys are kind of both saying to some degree about Lysander specifically, I feel like one of the things that I found most interesting on sort of this reapproaching of the end again with a little bit more time, because I went from reading it into reading it on the show, and then like we didn't really take a break, so I haven't had like time to process outside of like literally processing. And if you think about where Lysander is right before the end of Dark Age, he kind of is the same person that we're seeing at the end of Lightbringer. It's almost like seeing Cassius woke something in him again, where like the little boy came out again, and now he shot his own little boyhood, mm-hmm. and like that's dead, and he and he literally <laughs> killed it. He killed his own childhood. He signed yes. that death certificate <laughs> by shooting it, and he can't blame Octavia for that anymore, which is one of the things that I think is really important, is that this is a path that he has now chosen. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, I see it as like his next step. But yeah, I mean as far as like Cassius, I he can't walk away from that situation. I don't know like You all know that we I all... like a happy mm-hmm. ending. So I'm gonna <laughs> fight for the the what if. What if he walked away? Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, I just like Lysander already told him that he used him. I know. Mm-hmm. So do you really think he's going to let him walk away I, and not I just like I do blow up that ship as soon as it flies I, away? I think Lysander was <laughs> going to let him leave at least for a while there until he started running forward, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even the, the second time through. I'm like, he's letting him go. He's very adamantly like, I will shoot you. You need to leave. Right. The, the sort of second half of this so. question to me at the very least is, do you think that... Uh, Lysander, or do you think that Cassius would have actually killed Lysander, or did he intentionally stop that hair's breadth from his heart? Yeah, I don't think he's. I think he's fully in sacrificial mode. Like, he's not trying to kill Lysander. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think he's purely understands the situation, and he's like PJ said, if you're going to go through this, then you're going to have to kill me. And you're going to have to carry the weight of it. And that's just it. Like, he can't... I don't think he could kill Lysander just because of his love for him. No matter what, he Mm -hmm. loved him through all of that. And not just love, but, like, he feels responsible for Lysander being this monster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, he could have done something differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking of monsters, do we want to talk about Atlas? Yeah. Because Atlas is a fucking monster in this <laughs> yes. section. Or or Roan. I mean, like, God. Both of them. Dude, and, yeah, this fight scene is... Well, that's what I, I wanted to throw this out there. Did we get robbed of, like, seeing kind of an all-time duel between Cassius and Fear Knight because we were watching Roan and Lysander? It would have been good to see both i mean or does it is it more fun just to kind of imagine and see the end it's another like yada yada and then cassius (laughs) (laughs) cassius got him around well it's also like uh, yeah i don't know like the more it can get more epic in your head if you're imagining it yourself and just kind of seeing the end with the beautiful move that cassius pulls off to like because yeah we don't see cassius duel after the my honor remains yeah we really don't get to see him in action yeah. ever. We get a lot of yada yada. I mean, we see Cassius. him flying around fighting obsidians, but for like ten seconds, loses a hand. Yeah, right. beats off off page. Beats him left-handed. 
It's like, my name is Enigo Montoya. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really Latino. Yeah, I, I, I can't help but think that one of the reasons that we see the fight the way that we do, and I do think that we kind of missed an all-timer, but part of the reason, I think, yeah. is that Pierce is often repeated, and this is more like Doylean than Watsonian, but uh, the he doesn't want to repeat fights. Right. Like, and so he doesn't want to have like similar things that feel the same in different moments. And the Ronan Lysander fight is completely different from anything else that we see. The Atlas yeah. and Cassius fight, I think, would mirror some of the other combats, if not a lot more intense. And we still get some beats of that here and there. But, you know, the whole thing might just been a rehash to some degree of things that we've seen. That's a great point. How can you make that exciting when it's kind of something we've seen before? Almost. Mm-hmm. Or, it, I mean, I would have liked to see, like, is Cassius already trying some Breath mm. of Stone? <laughs> he seems to, like, have developed his own. He, he, maybe he's got his own style. That's like a mix of Darrow plus the Willow plus, like, his cravat. And all yeah, the drunkard's shit. step or something. I don't know. The drunkard's fall. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> he definitely needs uh, mm. a name like that for sure. Uh, yes, and let's talk Fear Knight, because, I mean... What a creepy dude. Creepy. Is he the... is really the one that, <laughs> like, he, that move at the end is so calculated when he, has, you know, asks Lysander about the weapon, and it's just like throwing one last grenade into the middle of this room just to ruin mm. and poison everything one last time. What a terrible person. <laughs> I think if Lysander considered letting uh, letting Cassius go, that ended at that moment. Mm. Yeah. Also, if we want to if we want to get back into sort of the harebrained ideas <laughs> that that I've got about this series, I don't think I was going to bring that up. I'm so glad that you dead. did because that was one of the things that PJ has <laughs> rattled on a little bit about. Uh, yeah, I've I, heard this from other people too. I think he's dead. Yeah. I, I think this version of Atlas is dead. I think I, I think, think he's, he's the kind of person to clone himself. And then like train his clones. Yes, he's a weirdo. Yes, know. we've had some we've had some listeners uh, send in some similar emails. The only reason I don't think that is because Red God is the end, and we already we still have so many loose ends and bad guys. Yeah, if like, we have a clone like we Atlas We don't need to out. add another clone in. We already have a fucking clone. And we don't know where mm-hmm. he is. He's being creepy somewhere. I agree. <laughs> it doesn't seem like we're spiraling out anymore. We're spiraling down. Yeah, we're not. We're no longer the galaxy moving outward. <laughs> we're starting we're, to... We're a supernova. Yeah, we're coming in. Okay. Did that make sense, science? The end of a supernova when so, it collapses yeah. back sure. in, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> And then it explodes again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. So, like, I, I've entertained this idea because I think that it's interesting. And I think that my, like, brain gets spinning it in a way fun. that I could imagine Atlas doing that. But yeah. part of this, and again, I, I bring up, like, Doylean versus Watsonian logic. And that's, like, external, like, meta text versus text that we read in the book. Um, and the, the sort of um, part of my brain that spins in the direction of of Atlas is shut down by my doily, doily part of my brain, which is like, well, the purpose of the clone 
is to illustrate that you could change your behavior. So Atlas creating clones of himself that don't change their behavior kind of makes the other clone a moot point to some degree from like a meta constructionist standpoint of like a, a writer trying to build a story. So like that's where my brain goes with it, which is so specific of a reason that's extra textual for why that couldn't be. Uh, but that's my thought. Yeah. I just feel like yeah, we don't need also him. true. We got enough. We got to kill Atalantia. Ooh, maybe Lysander and Atalantia I think will he's kill served... each other while having sex with each other. Yeah, and I think he's just, he's like, <laughs> he's served his purpose to the story. You know, like, I'm not sure what else a Fear Knight clone, like, brings to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, like, adding to it, you know, it adds another obstacle, obviously, but, like, I don't think we need that at this point. And then how about how badass Roan Oh, is? yeah. It's a great fight. <laughs> I did want to bring this up. We didn't get Lysander doing his mind's eye at all. Like, that's how he won in the Ladon. And, like, you know, this is, like, the fight of his life. And he's... He talks about he's, like, using the, light, the mind's eye to not freak out. But, like, in terms of, like the fighting with the mind's eye and like not even needing your vision. Cause you, you know, I think it's just two different to me. It's like, it's two totally different scenarios. And that one, he's like in the desert and he's like very centered and able to get himself to that place. This is chaotic, stressful. He's like immediately thrown into it. It's not a situation. I don't know. It's just like where he's like, I can slow down and yeah. you know like use the mind's eye like he like doesn't have that opportunity pierce kind of like gave him a little bit of like a mutant power like we we're talking about not a superpower but like a mutant power and then he kind of like took away its edge in this book yeah. he mentions earlier on in the story kind of losing grip on mm-hmm. it doesn't he like he he's losing his ability to really call upon the mind's mm-hmm. eye. I think multiple times he's like, I can't grasp it. I yeah. specifically around Atlas, he, he which is like a thing. And I, I'm not saying that yeah. Atlas has some sort of di- yeah. distortion field, but it's like the unpredictability to Ben's point. That's like led him down this way of like, it doesn't yeah. feel accessible because there's so much chaos and I can't feel like I'm in control whenever Atlas yeah. is around. Yeah. And that in that, in the desert, he's dealing with like, I don't know, dealing with totally different opponent. One that's like inferior. Atlas is clearly superior and scary and just like has him psyched out. I mean, to be honest, mm-hmm. like he's got everybody psyched out. So I don't think he can like slip into it in that kind of way. And I feel like something like the Breath of Stone like adds to it, kind of rounds out the mind's eye a little bit more. I know people got really into that. It's a superpower. I, I guess I didn't really see it that way. Yeah, it is like some level of consciousness that or like you or I can't reach, you know. But uh <laughs> it didn't it didn't seem like so far fetched to like to me. And I and I think like Darrow's experience in this book helps kind of round that out in a way where it kind of describes it similarly but differently. Sure. And um makes it i guess more believable i don't know quote unquote believable or whatever yeah you guys I, I think exactly I, I predominantly agree with that because i think that 
Pierce was trying to make it clear, and again, this is sort of meta perspective, was trying to make it clear that it wasn't exactly a superpower, more like it was just high-level conditioning. And I think that this just kind of reiterates the fact that that was conditioning in the right conditions and circumstances. Should I Do I think that it should have came up in this story still at some point? Yeah, it does kind of feel like it's a little buried in this book compared to Dark Age, but... Yeah, I think that is a fair point, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially because I felt like we were we were on the brink of getting sort of exposure to other people that had it. Or he was or like training And Apple just like how much it. Apple wants it, you know, and yeah. like how he reveres yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I was just thinking like with Roan, that would have been a great time to pull it up. Well, <laughs> as he's getting like stabbed in the cheek and, you know, through the arm. Yeah, and... Eat your teeth, fuckhead. Yeah. Sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> I do like how... That battle... That... Duel oh, yeah. was savage. So, like, even though we missed out on seeing Cassius and Fear, I, I mean, it's not like I'm mad about it because that Roan Lysander duel fucking kicks epic. ass. Yeah. It kicks ass. And I liked that Roan was kept stabbing Lysander. <laughs> like he's just got <laughs> knives popping out, knives and different ammunition. Just like he's like full on Call of Duty going at it. Like he's like a. <laughs> A, a bot. Seems like he has like a magic pack. What you know? is he's it when like you're half robot? An android, yeah. He's, he's definitely. <laughs> he's like, yeah. Cybernetic implants. He's yeah. C3PO. <laughs> no, he, he's murder yeah, bot. Yeah, actually. Somewhere between Rowan Logan and murder bot. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, just all of the knives. I mean, I think PJ and I actually went through and we tried to track where all the knives came from in the fight. Because especially <laughs> yeah. over the course of the book. You like well, yeah, exactly. Over the course of the book, I was trying to pay attention because you do get references <laughs> to all of his fucking knives throughout the entire book. And yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. It comes up because he ejects it when he's having Drusilla maybe cut her tongue out or something like that. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, ugh. It's great. And yeah, he has like a spike come out of his elbow, like all just <laughs> kinds of crazy shit. It's uh, awesome. <laughs> no, I really, I really did like that fight. He tries the trick shot at one point. I really like that, uh, where like Lysander like jumps in the air and he tries to like, oh, like ricochets, tries to ricochets a bullet off of under the, the aegis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's good. It's good. Okay, so. Let's uh let's finish out with Lysander. So let's get let's stop talking about him. I think we've already established like <laughs> what happened was pretty much his plan all along, right? Are we am I off track in that uh, in any way? Do you guys are you on the same page there like Like with Atlas and killing Like Cass- he wanted to kill Atlas, but he was using Cassie. We don't think that was like yeah. a oh. a decision mm-hmm. in the moment. Like he went into that knowing so that he was using when, Cassius. Starting when Cassius showed up showed up yeah yeah I I agree I think that he was always going to use Cassius as the fall guy for this assassination even if it failed plot. and Lysander was left alive um, yeah. somehow even if it failed even if Cassius got away yeah. uh, like I, I don't think he was ever going to team up with Darrow and right. the Rift. this is kind of one of those moments mm-hmm. Not like full Morningstar moment, but where we're like, we're in Lysander's head, but we're not seeing all of the information. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I kind of believed, I think, I didn't consider that he was lying about like when he's shaking and he's like flashing back to the pandemonium chair. 
My man's a fucking Oscar-winning actor. We've got to remember like, that. I kind of believed that in that moment he was like, oh, yeah, maybe I could. Yeah. And I think he really believed the relief of like, oh, my, maybe I can get rid of fear. I think a lot of that is set up when you kind of look back about the stuff we've talked about, how much of a drama queen he is, like how he can tap into that feeling. Like he does it with Pytha. Like he kind of uses the pain of another moment to feed into his like into the lie yeah into the lie that he tells pytha just like any great method actor (laughs) exactly (laughs) just like fear himself might fear himself made his own little protege which is what he wanted like i'm i'm interested definitely on the side of like did lysander you know escape and kind of the the intent here and i i think so i think i'm totally on the page of like i think he planned it the whole time i think there was no other path forward I think Cassius was kind of a fall guy no matter what, and getting rid of fear was the end goal here. I do yeah. think that he would have. There is there is a world in which he lets him escape, but it's Atlas that seals that where it makes it impossible for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see it if, like, the Edmi never gets discovered, they kill Atlas. Yeah, he may let Cassius go at that point for another day. On the record, I still disagree with all of you. <laughs> I'm holding strong. Some of that... I, I mean... mean it, go ahead, PJ. He does it with Pytha. But yeah. she doesn't know about Eidme. But yeah. she doesn't know... Yeah. Yeah. No, right. Yeah. I know. That's... Yeah. And he sets that up, yeah. too, where he's like, I know what she knows, and I can use it against mm-hmm. Arrow, basically. So, yeah, there's an element to that. But I feel like he's saying you can leave because... I don't know. He wants to believe that, but he's too practical. I just feel like Lysander's way too practical to ever let that happen. But maybe, maybe. I I think the first time I read it when I was, I agree. Like I was much more, oh, like Lysander might actually go along with this. I didn't see him like using Cassius as much. And I kind of saw, I thought when he, on my initial read, I thought when he told Cassius, like I did use you, I thought that was him kind of like just trying to cut the strings and make sure Cassius leaves. Yeah. That's still how I feel. (laughs) (laughs) But now I see it much more as kind of a full calculated. Yes. A slimy, slithery little snake. Yeah. So do we, do any of us think that there's any hope of redemption in Red God? Like could Lysander do anything at this point? Could he go full Darth Vader? I mean, all right. This is a particularly poignant question for my opinion in the way that I believe characters should always be written and considered. But I think that there is always the potential for a character to be redeemed. But redemption does not necessarily mean forgiveness. And that's an important like level of clarification. Right. Just because you're redeemed does not mean that you are allowed to go free or that you are allowed to live a free life. That is, Those are not interchangeable things um, on, on the whole. And I think a lot of people use like redemption is this term of like absolution darth vader was still a really bad guy he did redeem himself in the end um but that does not mean that if he lived through that moment he wouldn't have been persecuted and put to trial and you know probably put out to pasture too um so yeah I, I think that there's potential for lysander do i think that that is the way the story is going no but i think it's important that like that potential is in the back of my head still yeah is in there yeah yeah, if he were to use Eidme to exclusively Anyone. kill the society remnant and then uh, 
discard the rest of it and give up any sort of claim to power, I think that might do it. <laughs> that, yeah. Um, yeah. I can see that. Which I don't is, think I mean, if he uses it on Atalantia, though, it's still, there's, bad. I mean, there's too, there's too many. <laughs> still <Yeah>. genocide. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. still nuclear. Like you're still gonna also kill a ton of other people bystanders mm-hmm. of gold. There's innocent golds. Complicit golds. <laughs> that yeah. were complicit at the very least, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> There's still the pixies floating around, probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I can't see a redemption arc at this point. This kind of like, I know we're, we've all been teetering as we've read this like second trilogy or quadrilogy now. Is that a word? Tetralogy. Yeah, Tetralogy. There's like four different words for a four book series. So you're right on a number of them. Sweet. Wouldn't Tetralogy be... You would think it's five, but it is four, four, yeah. But so is Quadrilogy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Great. I believe all of you. Tetraquadrilogy. Either is correct. Thank you. I just Googled Uh, it for everyone's edification. (laughs) (laughs) Was that 44 that you just Uh, said? I know. A lot of the conversation has been like, is Lysander actually the hero? Is Lysander going to get redeemed? No. I think at this point, this kind of seals the deal that I think he's the villain to me. I I just don't see him coming back from this. And I think we've got how he's going to get ruined now. And that's, I think his reputation has to be called into question at some point and just get, I would love to see him just completely ruined on a level, like reputational level first, and then kind of see everything crumble. I think that, would be the most satisfying end to Lysander at this point. Um, just because he's been curating this image so like, I mean, he's just been crafting it over and over and over again. And he's so careful with it. I just want to see that part crumble in front of his face. That would almost be more satisfying to me than him dying or whatever. It's just him seeing this image of himself shatter and being like it wasn't worth it <laughs> exactly nobody a- loves absolutely me. <laughs> and i think unlike someone like roke of whom i think is like it wasn't worth it nobody loves me as far as his end goes i see to pj's point kind of a mad lysander spinning out of this to some degree where he would nuke the society remnant and say the only good gold that should exist is me and like use it to that degree mm. and be like believing that he should be the last one standing and the only person who can usher future forward, which is the perfect <laughs> sort of self-immolating mm. end for him. And then he accidentally kills right. himself too yeah. with Edme. <laughs> what if he opens Edme and just kills himself? He just doesn't realize how it works. He puts in the wrong cube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Puts it in backwards. My, uh, my last... <laughs> My last Lysander question. We talked about this a little bit on your podcast, I believe, but I want to talk about it on ours as well. We talked about Lysander's choice here at the end of his his final chapter. He's got the two cubes in his hand. Mm-hmm. He's at red or gold. And I thought it was interesting. I didn't real I didn't remember this aspect of it, but he says which of the cubes would Selenius use first? Mm is what he asks mm-hmm. himself. Not like, which should I use first or what should I do? It's like because he thinks that he's the light he's bringer, you know? <laughs> I know. So that, to me, Very makes selfish. it seem like, because I know we had discussed, like, is he talking about, like, should I use red on Darrow or gold on Darrow? 
But to me, it's like, this is very much clearly, should I take out Atalantia or should I take out Mars, you know? And what would Selenius do? What do you guys That's think? That's so interesting. I hadn't considered it as Atalantia. I thought that he was going to go after, like, Victor and Mustang. I knew that eventually that would be the path, right? But I imagined one mm-hmm. in which Atalantia is killed quietly as opposed to exterminated. But that could totally could be the case. This this is the read on it that I had from the beginning. I, I totally thought it was, like, Society Remnant yeah. versus mm-hmm. Republic. Because both are both are his em- enemies at this point. But there's there's um, lots of different colors in the Republic. If you just wipe right. out red, but red is like the, the heart of it. Yeah, that's yeah. the heart and of the zero. movement. Yeah, I don't think he's talking about what color explicitly. Like I I, I think he's framing it that way. But I, I think I think he's really more thinking like what's what's my next battle mm-hmm. that's kind of how um, i see it too I, like what yeah. would Selen- who would selenius take out first you know like mm-hmm. who's a bigger th- and threat to me right now? i thought it the same as you i was thinking of mustang or first darrow yeah. i wasn't mm-hmm. really thinking of Adelantia. yeah mm-hmm. it, it seemed like getting rid of those folks i do want to before we completely leave lysander i want to circle back to just one small thing which is during the sack of demeter which is this kind of final lysander chapter there's a moment that happens with oh my god what's his name Cicero, thank you, Uh, in which they're kind of having the conversation about the growers, the future, and sort of this, the tree farm that he's going to move. Well, right, in in sort of the immolation of knowledge. And I think that one of the things that I particularly appreciated about this book was Cicero's inclusion, because Cicero, to me, Mm -hmm. is Lysander's Cassius at this point. And so I was curious Mm -hmm. as to your guys' thoughts on, do you think in the end here that Cicero feels jaded and is maybe kind of turning away from Lysander? Okay. I was yeah we we have this as a prime right, five cool. topic for yeah. sure but we can we yeah. can definitely talk sure. about Let's it now. now sorry uh, he did not me, like burning no you're good I I think this is a great question I feel like do we have a Cicero betrayal coming up at some point like well he he was like he was supposed to like kill those brown growers mm-hmm. and instead he was watching them like die with their tree child yeah I, and he was just like it's so. Like, th- it's not their fault that the rumor belled. They just live here. Yeah. Like, he was sympathizing with <laughs> And he like, and they love this tree so goddamn yeah. much. <laughs> it's, yeah. He, you know, I think, I think Cicero is really a, like, true gold, gold, like, like, peerless. He's, he's like. Well, he's really. What we yeah. said is he's like a caricature of, like, the, the night you right. know well he's like yeah lysander like sells this image of him being that the shepherd and all of that uh cicero, cicero has like is is the fish on the hook yeah, yeah that has bought that completely yeah. and lysander knows it's a calculated like move and he's yeah, everything he's saying is calculated and for a reason and he's appealing to people in a certain way but cicero is like earnestly believing yeah. all of it cicero is kind of like a Diomedes, but way more <laughs> dramatic about it. Like, you know, he's like, I loved, I loved him by the end of this book. I, I was, he was one definitely, of my um, I think it's a great call. I think like, he's pretty, uh, I, I think he's pretty uh, underestimated yeah. by both Lysander and Horatia. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think the two of them kind of feeding off of each other with that opinion of him is, has potential to, 
uh, bring on a betrayal that actually means something. I do think he's absolutely one to watch out for, whether he's up to anything. Yeah, he didn't love what Lysander did at the end. There. And think yeah. about if something, like, if the truth comes out of this situation and Cicero hears about that. Yeah, he's not going to be happy. That's going to change his feelings Like, Cicero was all in when they were, like, acting the savior mm-hmm. and... Hel- helping the helpless when they were doing the Cassius thing fighting you know? the Volk yeah right. yeah fighting the yeah. bad guys but he's not in on just killing and stealing like pirates the the, like the line here and I, I wanted to look it up on my uh, Kindle version so Lysander sa- or uh, Cicero says they will call us Ash Lords and he replies with no Cicero a man once told me that the burning of Rhea was a mistake only because Octavia assumed the credit that man was wrong. The burning of Rhea was a mistake only because it targeted the wrong organ, the heart of the rebellion. We've targeted the stomach. And that's like, just, Lysander's cold at this point, <laughs> beyond the pale. But Cicero <laughs> yeah. also is not into hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. like, damn, dude. I thought you were that last Selenius, not yeah. another. And then they, like, I... agree to walk away, but then he takes the one last look to watch the burners grow like that's important that to me is like a very growers burn sorry growers burn yeah Mm -hmm. sorry yeah so i think that to me is is this very telling moment where it's just like yeah he he hadn't let it go yes exactly yep Hmm. that's a great call out yeah i what a fun character by the end of this book i usually i thought he would was like the biggest dumbass when this <laughs> book started by the end of it. Trey like, Goodman? <laughs> yes. I'm like, yes. I love this man. Yeah. I love this, this I ignorant, a little bit asshole-ish, <laughs> definitely what Cassius was in the original series if we spend more time with him. Yes. But I loved him. Yeah. But just like 100% earnest. Like, earnest, earnest is yeah. the word. Just yeah, for he's sure. earnest. And he, he can tell that Lysander is not being completely forthcoming and yeah. he does not like that mm-hmm. he's like this is weird mm-hmm. okay any other so we've talked about cassius we talked about lysander any favorite moments from this section of the book there's a lot that stood out to me but reading back through this was just there's so many like Are little talk about spots, darrow even in the midst oh we can definitely god talk damn about it darrow. i can't believe that like the 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 whole scene with the raw and diomedes and sort of the confrontation that happens inside mm-hmm. of that that section is just lovely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I really appreciate, you know, with Gaia, with, with, with Gaia. the Moon Lords in general, Cassius' belly as Lysander's image appears, a la the Emperor in the <laughs> in the moment. And then you get the shattering and running out and carrying them on his back and the Moon Lords all lift. Like, that whole yes. scene is just iconic. The pillar, yeah. Incredible. That was incredible. The House of Bounty, like, falling in the one mm-hmm. Moon Lord. Yeah, like that was a like little a full Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes. <laughs> I was gonna say it's like Roadrunner. The coyotes, like. Do you think there was any consideration on Pierce's part, like any any temptation on his part to end it with that sort of cliffhanger of whether or not any of them are like getting them out running of this down life? into the statue? Because I, I was I was kind of surprised that we end on almost a hopeful note after they survive the <laughs> the bombing. I think that would be too much. Two books in a row. Like I think we had to. Have, yeah, that's fair. I think too that next book we're probably gonna have a bit of a jump. So I I don't think you'd mm-hmm. want to start at Darrow emerging 
three days later, I think he probably wants to start like mm-hmm. we're approaching the core or even past that. Yeah. We need that. Yeah, that's I don't fair. Know. We just, I don't know. I, we really, I really, I personally <laughs> needed re- really needed that piece of hope at the end of the book. Like you needed Volga saying he was the most handsome man <laughs> I've ever seen. Oh, the send off, the send off too. <laughs> Gaia. I mean, there, there's some, there's some comedy. There's some comedy in this section, like Gaia being fully space commenting. Like I, I. <laughs> I, I thought I thought Lysander didn't use atomics. Then what the fuck is that thing? Walking up. That's a good one. That's a good one. He's like slinking yeah. up. Gaia, as racist as she is, seems like a fun hang. I know. Like every time, no. she's like hanging with my ninety-three-year-old grandma. Like, my she mood like says swinging. things she yeah. shouldn't. I know. You're like you're hilarious. My mood swings with her just like go back and forth, but. <laughs> Like that one section where she's like telling Diomedes he's going to do his duty. I'm like, fuck you, Gaia. We can't do this again. And then by the end of it, she's like, I'm the dust. You're the dawn. I'm like, thank you. We need more of that. (laughs) We we need that in in the real world. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then she's like hopping on uh, Daryl's back, back, calling him Gaja. Gaja, carry me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. She's just glaring at she's everyone. She's a conundrum for sure. She's an enigma. She's Spitfire. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Should we move on? Talk about Red God. Sounds Let's good. do it. Do we have predictions? Where do you think we're headed? I thought it was. I thought it was very telling. Aaron said time jump, but I thought it was very telling that both Lysander and Darrow say that they think that you know, this is going to be ended within the next year. Like they think the war is going to oh, end really? within the next year. Mm. So I'm not sure how much, uh, and Pierce has been doing little teases. I don't know if you've seen this where he's posting blurred. Oh yeah. Yeah. Things. Are of Red people AI ing it? Like fixing some, it? Some, some of yeah. it you actually can read. Uh, and so one of the lines is about the siege of Mars for sure. Okay. So we know that that's going to be occurring. Spoiler like. alert, PJ's on the <laughs> God, you ruined it, Ben, as though we couldn't have guessed that the Siege of Mars was going on. Yeah. yeah, I... Go ahead. So I, I'm curious if the sort of dual theme of Odysseus between... My boy. Uh, Lysander and Darrow... <laughs> My <continue>. boy! <laughs> you should see... If you're not watching on YouTube, I wish you could see Cross's face. He's just yeah. like a proud dad right Sorry, now. Sorry, PJ. Start over. <laughs> I don't even know. I just heard Odysseus and then Cross got so proud. <laughs> well, okay. So it, it's almost sort of like both Lysander and Darrow are stand-ins for Odysseus through the Odyssey mm-hmm. um, within this story. And I'm, I'm curious if that'll continue through red god if we'll see that parallelism or if they'll diverge have they already diverged you tell i mean me. no <laughs> so like there there are a number of comparisons and obviously like the biggest one if we're talking about the odyssey is the coming home to all the suitors yeah, right but there are only suitors in this outside yeah. of the war i guess so i find this book to mostly be the odyssey until the end obviously that's why it's homer quotes all the way down uh for the most part but yeah, circus. But yeah, so I, I do believe that we'll see a little bit more of the Odyssey, but then we have to see resolution, right? And 
one of mm -hmm. the things that Homer isn't very good at is ending stories. <laughs> so I think that that's something that Pierce <laughs> has to do. In his defense, it's yeah. a tough thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep making more right. books. <laughs> Endings are very tough. Yeah, uh, I think I've made a few predictions throughout this book. Like, I talked about Lysander calling out Atalantia. He wants to duel her. I think that's a real possibility, like, for when he mm -hmm. gets back. Just calling her into the bleeding place and dueling her and trying to kill her. I think Edmi complicates that a little bit because I don't know if he's just going to use it. How early that gets thrown out, like... That whole thing, I just did not see that biological weapon coming. But I could definitely see, like, first part of this book, first hundred pages, Lysander coming back and challenging Atalantia for her dictatorship and seeing if he can just take over that entire situation. Darrow, he's got coordinates. We're going to meet up with some kind of, it seems like, Republic leftover fleet that's, you know, around. He's got the Volk fleet. He's got the the daughters. Uh, the daughters fleet. He needs and to what's left over the rim. And then yeah. I think, yeah. And then I think what it's maybe Im shadow important. Yeah, is that Diomedes is gathering the shadow armada and bringing them. So I mean, that's a pretty powerful force. By this the end is of like, that. I... <laughs> yeah, we're getting real West Side Story with this at the end. So alley fight. I almost said guys and dolls, and I was like, that's not very. I think it has to end on Mars. <laughs> I don't know. But it feels like it almost absolutely has to end on the Morning Star slash Lightbringer, like on the ship. Not on Mars. I'm of that opinion as well, mm -hmm. personally. So I think it's got to end on the ship. They've both owned the ship. Like a lot of our most important moments have happened on the ship. So I don't know. I just feel like that's the most poetic place for it to end. Man, I, I think it can climax on the ship, but I, I think it's got to end in the mines. Ooh, ooh, the okay. breath of stone Well, like end to end, like I epilogue. Like, like Darrow's buried in the mines, right? Like, like the, that's like what we're the... saying? Hey. <laughs> yeah. <What? laughs> right underneath a hemanthus blossom, right? Like that's the poetic ending. It would be him buried in the mines where uh, Ea's life ended. Yep. In, in that garden. Mmm, wow. Now I'm getting sad. I don't like where... Or Pax is. I don't know. Which one do you want? <laughs> yeah. I think we definitely need Victra... We need to see Victra dueling or fighting someone. Oh, for someone. sure. She, she's been training her ass off. Who's it going to be? Well, I would love to see Victra versus Atalantia. I'd like that more than Lysander versus Atalantia. Mm-hmm. Let's get these big, strong ladies. Do you think we're going to get Darrow Apollonius? Absolutely. <laughs> that would stress me to, out right? so much because I like the <laughs> Part of me believes that, and, and this is my like maybe my wild take, part of me thinks that Darrow beats Apollonius, doesn't kill him, Apple changes sides just for the duration of the fight and then is exiled. So that redemption quality that I was talking about earlier, I think that's going to apply to Apollonius. I think that's like going to be the path. I like that. And then Apple is like, fuck you, Lysander. You never gave me the mind's right. eye. Yeah. Because uh, I, I do think, like, kind of what Cross was talking to, uh, talking to earlier, where it's hard to write duels because they kind of end up sounding the same over time. Like, 
how are you going to make a Darrow Apollonius duel not sim like not it's not going like to sound Foz. not feel like Foz duel, yeah. And that, I think that's going to be well, a very tough writing exercise. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. I have I have an idea, and I think it 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 tracks with historical sort of context. We've talked uh, several different times about how Apple feels like he's following the same arc as Napoleon. So (laughs) if Apple at some point crowns himself dictator and then fights Darrow in that moment, I think that that could make for a really unique scenario in which that could happen. And and a unique fight or something. And he fragments at the last moment into his own little rebellious <laughs> segment that could totally happen too I'm, I'm a believer there that's interesting i'm super excited for the apollonius chaotic moment that mm-hmm. we will definitely get in red god i, I want to ask a question i believe that the story to some degree would benefit from going to earth because we haven't done a whole lot on earth do we think that any part of and right and like so here. between luna and earth like that story has to occur to some degree yet I feel like that's where we're going to go to start it. I don't know. What are what are your guys' sort of thoughts mm-hmm. on, on what we'd see from like a progression standpoint? Yeah. And isn't Atalanta chilling yeah. on Earth? That's where she is. Abominadrius is on Luna. And then... And they just captured Luna. No, they captured Phobos. They're currently... Sea- and Like Luna's under siege mm-hmm. in this book. Okay. Yeah. From Atalanta's forces. And, and she they're likes currently getting starved eating out. Cheetahs. Yeah. <laughs> Cheetahs. I could see that. It seems like Lysander. That would be Lysander's, right? I, I feel like, I don't know. Like, is he going to go all the way back to Mercury? Like, are we going to start on Mercury? What's on Apple. Mercury, though? His, to plant it seems his, like his home place, his home base. He wants to go plant and his plums. Seems like Lysander's whole yeah. thing is like, I love Mercury. Which, but Glarasis isn't we, there anymore. We talked about that a little bit. It's kind of like his seat of, of uh, His idea of planting everything in the Ladon mm-hmm. is... It feels very folly yeah. in general because it was just a fucking wasteland. But we have the terraforming things. Either way, I don't around. think we're going to see that come to fruition because you said it would take like years. So, uh, I don't know. It, I, I do think, like, it's, I, I think, like, my Lysander Atalantia idea, if that's going to take place, that happens on Earth, like, probably back where his speech took place. Like, I could see him. The Colosseum? In the Colosseum? Yeah. <laughs> like, give me like, a, a Colosseum duel. That'd be pretty epic. Yeah. <laughs> which is where which is where they were meeting. That's where the Senate was, yeah. right? In the Colosseum? <laughs> give me that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the actor. Russell Crowe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> I, was like, yeah. I was thinking of Russell Crowe showing up. Whatever happened to him? I think he got canceled. He's still doing stuff. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. No. Great. Yeah, he's around. All right. Last two questions. We'll do them quick. Who do you guys each have for Primus of the Week? Each week, we pick our character, conquered our proctors of plot, and we named them our Primus of the Week. Who do you guys have this week? PJ. Well, 
Oh, what are, what are the what are the criteria for this? It's your um, own personal criteria. Who won the week? I know it's kind of like who won it, the week, and it though. can be biased. If you hate yeah. someone, yeah. they don't. Have we to all win. know it's Lysander, right? Like like Lysander did win this <laughs> oh, week. There's also there's also a rule: if you pee on someone, you, you automatically are, win. You automatically win Primus. But no one peed on it. <laughs> there's no spitting on week. Cicero. Yeah. <laughs> there is it's a little true. spitting. I think. Yeah. I think Atlas. Played his hand so fucking well. He, he did die. He, you guys are well, both evil. What did you expect? <laughs> he did die. <laughs> but he, I think, set in motion a lot more. He than, did kind of get um, one last. He could have even intended to have set in motion by heart. just telling Cassius about Eid Me. Okay. Yeah. So you pick Atlas. PJ, I think I'm picking that's, that's a great pick. Cross. And just to not like double up on a pick, I am going to pick Lysander, which was my joke. Not my joke, but like my half. <laughs> and I think it's, I, I understand and I deserve all the hatred that I will get here. I'm not saying that Lysander's a good character by any stretch. Once again, excellent. I am. Thank you, PJ, I think he's great. For inviting all of that hate into our inbox <laughs> for me. Because I'm the only one who deals with that. Um, but, uh, no, I, 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 it's impossible to like not go to some degree with Lysander. You know what? Actually, I'm going to recant my answer. Diomedes. Diomedes wins the week. We didn't even talk about it. But Diomedes, Diomedes wins the week uh, specifically because of his ability to stand up to his grandma uh, and like unify. And then actually the physical presentation itself. I think grandma stuff is the week prior in the read. But... This is sort of the the actualization. He's on my yeah. short list for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he kneels and puts a razor yeah. around his neck mm-hmm. and trusts his crusty old grandma not to kill him. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then stands up for Dara. Are we picking now or later? We're picking later. We're picking we're taking later. In this. We're taking this feedback into, into account. Yeah, we'll take it into Thank consideration. Thank you for uh, submitting your <laughs> candidates. <laughs> we will take those into consideration. All right, and our final question, the most important question. What are we into this week? What are you into this week, guys? I, did. I just talked about this, and I'm really excited about <laughs> it still. I'm really up on it. Uh, so I've been I've been sick the last several days, and when I get sick, I get into this mood where I just want to watch nature documentary. <laughs> and I've been watching Earth Sounds on Apple TV Plus. Er, you're just been it's watch listening to Earth Sounds, watching Earth w- Sounds. The name of the series is Earth Sounds. It's like a Planet Earth style. Every episode is a different section of the world, but it's all mostly focused on sort of the auditory aspects of nature. And it is narrated by Tom Hiddleston. And it is so fucking good. There's a lot of like brand new technologies and and new uh, types of microphones that are able to pick up on different sort of sound waves and different ranges of of audio and it's amazing it's such a good (laughs) series i totally totally recommend anybody interested in nature documentaries watch when i'm when i'm sick that is that'd be like the (laughs) last thing i would watch (laughs) i want to watch like pixar Mm. movies and then i cry with my son (laughs) with your with your i do love uh Animal Planet stuff, dude. I grew I up watching all that shit. Yeah. That's a good wreck. I haven't. Uh, what's what's it on? Apple TV Plus. Uh, Got to get that back. Cross, what are you? Uh, so I feel like I just have to like long pitch this just for a smidge. I so for anyone 
not not like not like people won't like this, but for people of whom are unaware and maybe aren't on the internet to some degree at this point, you may have seen viral reels of a couple of comedians, a bunch of different comedians uh, do like game shows and different things like that. My what I'm into this week is Dropout's new season of Game Changer. So Dropout.tv is a lovely streaming service. It's ex college humor folks. They bought back the company. Very funny. Uh, Sam Reich has basically taken the company and revitalized it in a completely new way that presents a bunch of different comedy formats. So they've got a couple of different shows, but Game Changer is currently in its sixth season, I think. And the premise there is that each episode of the game show is completely different and changes. And so the contestants come in and they don't even know exactly what they're getting into as they come into it. (laughs) So one of the most recent episodes, uh, the contestants had to be in the middle of the the sort of like they didn't know what was happening or what they were being asked to do so it was like a push-up contest and it's like how many push-ups do you think you could do and then they did them and they were blindfolded so they couldn't see what their neighbors did (laughs) and uh if you only got points if you were in the middle so you had to gauge like what other people were going to do but then there's also like other improv (laughs) prompts there's like a a yes no there's so many great episodes i don't want to spoil them all but just in general, I highly recommend and need to pitch Dropout TV. It's the best streaming service that exists. It's $5 a month. It is so funny. It's perfect. It's a whole it's service. A whole That's service. just one show. And they're all like improv-driven oh, nice. things. I will I will share with you two my login if you want to experiment and check it out. Because it is so <laughs> worth it. It is. That's illegal. Crime. So is the thing that you did that I'm, you know, never mind. We won't talk about it. Cut. 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 <laughs> 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 Yeah, so Game Changer on Dropout. I love some oh, comedy. it's so funny. You'll love yes, it. Yes, that's awesome. I bet John would love that. Yeah. Is it like cringe? No. So all? one of the nice things about it is that it completely okay. avoids cringe because they are actually comedians, you know, being funny. And that's to, to one okay. degree. Yeah. I can't handle cringe. Yeah. Cringe is already I how I live it. my life. I don't need more just, of it. Just to give like one other show, there's Make Some Noise in which they're presented with a prompt that they have to act out or improv or like make the noise of. Uh, and they compete by like taking different takes on the same idea. And so there's like some impressions. There's some like physical animal sounds that they come out with. Sometimes it's like a whole improv scene. <laughs> like from yeah. PJ's yeah. show. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's very great. And there's a season, particularly for you, Ben, of another show called Dimension 20, which is their Dungeons & Dragons actual play, but it's Dungeons & Drag Queens. I've heard about that. And they that. did a four-season, yeah. or four-episode season. Yeah. Four season. Wait, I've heard of that. Uh, that is I've very good. From that. Uh, it was very great. So it's four yes. episodes, <laughs> and those are excellent. Yeah. I'm All the same service. Out. So Beautiful. Thank you, guys. Great recommendations this week. Tell the people one more time where they can find you. PJ, you want to run it down? Ah, <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, you can find us on all, you can find Crossland realistically on all of our social medias at Words Whiskey Pod. You can uh, email us at Words and Whiskey or Words, words whiskey, whiskey Show, show at words gmail.com. Words and Whiskey Show. Words Whiskey Pod on Instagram, <laughs> the show website formerly known as Twitter, uh, and threads. And then uh, check out check out the Patreon, um, patreon.com forward slash Words Whiskey. If you want to talk with us, Ben and Aaron are on our Discord as well. And we've got a lot of things. We're, we're part of the we've, network. We actually we have your website coming soon. We just launched the Books and Baddies coming podcast. Soon. And so we're folding everything in finally properly. Oh, yeah. So. All oh, of yeah. listeners who like smut, go check out the Books and mm-hmm. Baddies podcast. Yeah, you'll love them. 
on the Atomic Pylon Media You can listen network. to me being made fun of if that's also a way to get joy. <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm in. <laughs> and they're shorter episodes than ours. They're only 40 minutes, so there's that. Nice. That's shorter than All those. right. Cool. Thank you guys so much. We, we appreciate you, you coming on. Of course. This was very fun. Always love talking to you guys. Aaron, talk Good to you soon. Read the blade itself. Yeah. <laughs> I'll reread it. Yeah, you you read it, Ben. Man, I love those guys. <laughs> so much fun. Yes. Always a good discussion with Cross and PJ. I know. We need to talk to them more. We could probably talk to them even when we're not talking about a book, but what would we talk about? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We'll figure something out, I guess. <laughs> but thank you, Cross and PJ, from Words and Whiskey yes. for... Helping us through the last reread of this book. Yes, helping us talk about our feelings, talk about some theories. Go check out their podcast. They Super have a fun. whole season, every book of Red Rising. So if, yeah. if you like Howler Pod, then get more content. Yep. More Red Rising content and other books. And uh, is it about time for the Prime Five? Yes, Prime Five, five of our favorite insights. And observations from this week's chapters. Okay, my first question for you on the Prime 5. Who had the more heartbreaking reaction to Cassius's death? Lyria or Darrow? I think we see more of Darrow's. And his is worse. More heartbreaking. His is tough. Lyria's is heartbreaking. But it doesn't go as deep. Because she didn't know him as long Mm-hmm. And we're not inside of her head. That's true too. We don't. We're not there when she finds out. She's kind of already knows when we see her. Darrow's kind of like that empty grief that you get when you lose, you know, a loved one, and it's like consuming and terrible. And you get to see that really played out. But Leary is like that shot moment where it's just like, ugh, like it hits you because you she like looks at her. And it's, yeah, it's much sharper and like she's tearing up and then it's just like that moment of connection mm-hmm. between the two of them is so bitter. Yes. Uh, it's, it's tough. And she's like, shit, this sucks. But I would agree. Like Darrow's is more like all encompassing. And he like sees his body. And, yeah. Yes. Um, and he's, and how he's he also... reacts to seeing him like brutalize like that. And he also like. You know, he has a much longer, more storied relationship with Cassius. They're brothers, but they've been through so much together. And he's like, I just got him back. And there's, but yes, yes, there's all that history. But then there's like, with Lyria, it's all potential, right? So it's like the opposite, mm-hmm. where it's like, there's so much for them in the future. Right. You know, uh, that you and suddenly they were, lose. They were best buds. Yeah. So, uh, both? Can I pick both? Yeah, both are heartbreaking. Lyria's made me cry the first read. That was the only, that was the first one where I was like, no, Lyria, you know. Right. I mean, I was like in shock for Darrow's part. So, I yeah, I didn't react as emotionally to that one. But Lyria's definitely made me tear up. Mm-hmm. That was very tough in the moment. And she's kind of more of an innocent. Mm-hmm. Number two on our list. So let's talk about this. Like, who actually knows that the Fear Knight is dead? Okay. Kyber. Kyber for sure. Pytha knows. 
Pytha knows, and now like the Rising knows. Mm-hmm. But like, as far as the, because like Lysander's already gone full propaganda. He burned the body. Burned the body and said he's not even here. Yeah. And nobody knew. They've seen him on Earth. And society side, nobody knew like the Fear Knight was right. running around. And then here. he killed all the Praetorians. Yeah. Uh, all the. All of his dragoons. So does anybody else in society does, side know? Like, are there any Praetorians that weren't Like, Cicero doesn't killed? know. You're right. Because mm-hmm. he's never involved. I will say, it seems like Pallas may know. Pallas has been suspicious of things. Right. And, and I don't know what she knows. There's a particular line that I thought was telling. Okay. And it was there. It was Pallas and Lysander having a conversation at the Demeter's Garter, and you know, like they're going back and forth, and they're like I'll smooth things over, blah blah blah. Uh, and then she says like one last thing, and uh, Lysander goes, "And you have nothing to fear." And he said, "An an invisible weight falls off of her shoulders," and she goes, "Really?" Oh, I didn't look into it like that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I I just read it as like straight up, you have nothing to fear. Oh good, he's not like Lysander's not killing me. Right. But But I was wondering if it like was if more the of a kind way... of a coded message. Uh, you have nothing to fear. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I think Powis You have nothing to fear but fear itself, actually. <laughs> so I think Powis by now and then I would say by extension Julia may know. Okay. But I would assume they're keeping it secret i don't know i'll see we'll see how that plays out in red god mm-hmm. but that is going to be an interesting storyline like what is going to happen with the fear knight was there going to be a fear knight stand-in is there like you know what's the story going to be there mm-hmm. or is it just going to be like yeah he's dead <laughs> i just i think the latter i mean <laughs> come on we got enough to uh do in red god yeah like we said with right, Ross but and I, PJ. will they like? I don't know. Will there be like a charade of of him dying? Oh uh, yeah, of like the Fear Knight on a separate mission dying publicly or something. I don't know. I don't know. How's like a Atalantia gonna know? Like, is Lysander gonna try to use that against her? The fact that she may not know right now. Those are all just really interesting questions I'm thinking about. So. Good to think of. Yeah. Okay, next on the Prime 5, we kind of talked about this too, but the, those brown growers dying with their, their children, a.k.a. the trees. Shout out these guys. I really just, we, we have to talk about These them. are the real tree huggers. Yeah. Like, the real deal. This is some real shit. I and they're, not, they're dying for, like, what they believe in, which is, like, the plants. Like, this yeah. is their whole lives. They're, they're raised to be caretakers that of, story of that plants. cicero tells uh-huh. where they're like they what does he say do they sing do they talk to them or do they sing to them they sing to them because it makes them, them happy because it makes them happy and happier trees grow grow better fruit fruit and i agree <laughs> i sing to look how happy my plants are and i and just to touch again on cicero i just love how much my man is touched by that He's he's here for the drama. He's feeling his feeling. He's here for the theater. <laughs> I know, and he loves drama, and I'm yes. just here for it. I love Cicero. 
Yeah. And he didn't like that they were killing all of them. <laughs> so we'll see if Cicero, you know, switches sides maybe. Yes. And we touched on Gaia with Cross and PJ as well. Wanted to call out the dusk. Uh, she is the dusk and Diomedes is the dawn. And how we need a lot more of that in our lives. Yes. And don't forget, we're counting. This is the last one. We get another piggyback. There is another with piggyback. Gaia, right? Gaia yes. on Darrow's back. I also really have you actually it. been counting? Is it seven? Uh, I keep adding. I think it's four. Or five. Two at a time. Four or five, probably. These are points. <laughs> it's a point system. Yeah, we got seven points. <laughs> okay, seven points. You guys heard it here. I also really enjoyed Severo telling her to shut up. I was, Shut up, at yo, that point, I was like, thank you, finally. He's just like, why is she talking? <laughs> it's so, like, like we were talking about, you're so back and forth on guys. Sometimes I'm like, yes, guy, go, guy. Yeah. Other times I'm like, shut the fuck and then up. Other times guy. I genuinely feel bad for her. I know. <laughs> like, she's had a rough couple of weeks. But it was satisfying for Cerebro just to be like, no, just no, shut up. Just no. <laughs> He's like, I've heard about you. Face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a talk to the hand type situation. Uh, and then we mentioned this as well. I just wanted to shout it out again. Di- I forgot about this, but like Diomedes is gathering. He stays there. He's gathering the Shadow Armada. And then they're going to meet up with Darrow. Yeah. So I think that's important. To remember. I was, I was thinking that Diomedes was just like on the ships with Darrow going to the rendezvous point back on Mars. But he's actually gathering even more ships. Guns and ships and silver balance ships. <laughs> so, uh, I think that's a good call out. And and then we also get confirmation that Diomedes and Ore are in love. Hell yeah, they are. Yeah. So I thought that was great too. Being in love. <laughs> uh, Daryl's like, I don't know anything about people being in love, but those two are in love. I wanted to have a prime five point five. And talk about Ender's Game. The did you read the whole series? Like throughout. No, I read the first book. So, not in Ender's Game, but then after that, they start talking about the hegemon, the hegemony, and stuff. And they say that word so many times <laughs> in those books. So the first time I read this, when. Pierce writes hegemon. I was like, Andrew's game. Oh, he's a hegemon. <laughs> it's just like I know all about the this. most written word hegemon, hegemon, hegemon. in the series. <laughs> if anyone else has read all of Andrew's game, then you suffered through it like I did. <laughs> it's good until it's not. And then you're like, why am I still reading this? No. I like, I had to like, I, you know, I can't quit. Like once I'm doing it, I have to finish it. That was one where I, I had to like, Rip it away from myself. And I was like, I cannot keep reading this. I read the first book, enjoyed it a lot. And yeah. I was like, I think I'm, I've had enough. I got way too far in. I was me. like, it's never going to end. Uh, yeah. We were way far <laughs> out there. Anyway, sorry. That was my 5.5. The hegemon. Uh, now that we've finished our Prime 5, it's time to name our Primus of the Week, where we choose the one character who conquered our proctors of plot, rose above the rest. Our Primus of the Week is... I must. Who do you have? Go ahead. I have Cassius. I know. It has to be. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck Cross and PJ were talking about. I'm going to go rogue here. They got way too technical with it. I'm going to have a co-primus, and mine's going to be, number one, the daughters, because 
they've been screwed over the most and they're really helping out here. Mm. They're doing a lot of saving. Of people. They're, they're saving people at the risk of their own lives. Mm -hmm. They're saving the golds who held the chains. Mm -hmm. They're signing treaties that takes away some of their rights and doesn't let them like get revenge. Mm -hmm. And then also Volga for she's grown up. She comes with her face smeared in ash to yeah. show her shame and she really wants to make up for what went wrong. And she's also controlling all the obsidians. She's keeping them on the ships. Like, they're, they're listening to her. She's a real, becoming a real political player. Yeah, she but shaved her head. Yeah, but it seems like Lyria is, has a major yes. voice there as, like, her advisor. Yeah. And is very smart with that. So that's, it'll be interesting to see the how that The two goes. is a pair, yeah. yeah. So, you know... Of course, we love the Diomedes, the the uh, the Daros. It's good to recognize that these people who have also been wronged are coming to the table as well. Yes. So now, between Cross PJ, you and me, we've named every <laughs> character this week. Every character. Yeah, what's I mean for me? It's... We got the good guys, and they got the bad. Guys. <laughs> Absolutely, Cassius. I mean, he his honor remained. I know this is a sad week and we're sad to see him go, but, and I, nobody loves his character more than I do, but you're going to fight some people. I really, I don't know. To me, it's like, it's a very fitting ending and I'm, I'm totally okay with it. Like I, I love the way that he went out. If he was going to have to go out, of course I want him to live forever and he will in my heart, but <laughs> Celine Dion. <laughs> uh, but if he was going to go out, like, I don't know, this was just so perfectly him, like, and couldn't ask for anything better than that. I, I thought the whole book was such a tribute to his character, mm -hmm. made me it love was. him more, made a lot of, like, people... New lovers. New lovers, new fans of his, brought them back around, you know, mm -hmm. to to the character that he is, and he's just like... By the end, he's such a pure heart. It's like, that's, Lyria had it right. Like, he's just, he was pure. By that by that point, he had grown to that, that point, he was completely pure and beautiful. And it's just like, I don't know, this beautiful relationship between him and Darrow that allows him to become his best self. And of course, we didn't get enough time with that person, but the fact that he got there from where he was I don't know. It's just, it's very fitting. It's just beautiful to me. Like, I love it. So cheers to Cassius forever. Forever cheers. <laughs> okay, next up we have our Howler mailbag. Let's get um, some final tidbits from Cassie. Before we start this, though, we're going to save any other emails and voicemails that we've gotten this week for next week because our next week's episode... Howler Mailbag episode! ...will be a full Howler Mailbag. If you have something to say about Cassius... About anything. ...about Lightbringer, about literally anything at all, we will read it on the podcast. So send us an email or call us and leave a voicemail. You know, send smoke signals. Jump well, in the Instagram DMs. Whatever you need to do. Do it. Uh, Howler Mailbag next week. All right, let's get some tidbits from Cassie. And before we start that, thank you, Cassie P., for sending these in every week. 
Uh, we love your tidbits and we appreciate all the hard work you put in. Addition. Well-rounded. Yes. An mm. unexpected and happy addition to the pod. Thank you, Cassie. <laughs> this is what I feel like, I don't know, makes this whole thing so fun and so great. We just, just get people giving us. <laughs> just <laughs> joining true. in and helping. Join in, everybody. Join in and helping the podcast be what it is. Like, this is the definition of that. Nick reached out, did all our voice work because he yes, wants to do that. because we love British accents because we're <laughs> basic American. Miles. Miles is amazing, obviously. Did all this incredible artwork. Good hang, too. I may have tricked him into some of that, but now he's our... He's too nice to say no. he's our best friend. <laughs> do it every week, right? Every week, right? Right? We love you all, and thank you all who have written in and yes, and for then all the other howlers yeah. that add in with their great emails every week. Gratitude, Dominus. Great voicemails. Wow, it's just I'm feeling very thankful for all of you. All right, let's hit it, Cassie P. One last time. Hello, howlers. It's Cassie with tidbits in chapters eighty-four through eighty-nine. This part was hard. After re-listening through, it was a few days before I could bring myself to even flesh out the phrases that caught my attention into coherent tidbits. This week, I have several good old-fashioned tidbits for you, and then something to share that I've been sitting on for months, and we'll end with a tribute to the man who all women seem to be with at one time or another. First Classic Pierce, Daryl mentions exchanging his boots for slippers before entering the House of Bounty. In one sense, this is a reflection of the Rim's Eastern traditions, and dare I say, common sense, of not wearing your outdoor shoes into the house. I also see a nod to the Roman calcae, or the light, typically leather, closed-toed, high-top sandals worn by nobles with the toga. Elite Roman patricians wore red, while non-noble senators wore black. The Solar Republic senators were also described as wearing velvet slippers on the Day of Red Doves. I've seen another fiction where Roman senators wore velvet, like velvety slippers, but I've only seen in like historical pages talks of leather shoes so i feel that the fact that they sound comfy and soft in the books is an additional flex to show the status and invulnerability of those wearing them second classic pierce as the exit arch of the house of bounty starts to collapse darrow shoulders a huge falling pillar evoking notes of the mythological atlas holding up the world upon his shoulders it's like one atlas surrenders his ghost and a new avatar emerges three more religion when Lysander calls for the Moon Lords to turn over Darrow, they unequivocally refuse. Quote, Darrow has eaten the bread of this body, end quote. And thus he was saved, if you will. They were talking guest rites, but I heard heavy Christian, especially Catholic overtones. Okay, let's talk Hangar 17B. First, I'm sure I'm not the only one who heard the Palpatine do it. After the Palatine brat tells Cassius, kill him. Hell, Cassius even loses his right hand like Anakin had. But what I want to talk about is that number. Seeing this hangar numbered set me digging. And I found my question for Pierce at the Red God book signing. Come back to DC, please, Pierce. I wanted to share what I found here, because I can't sit on this for another year or whatever. So, we all know prisoner L17L6363. But wait, there's more. Red Rising. 17 mounted House Minerva members chase Darrow and Cassius into the lake at the Institute. Golden Sun. There are 17 destroyers at the Ganymede shipyards when Nero tries to raid it. Morning Star. We get one of two in-book numbered Howler rules. Howler Rule 17. Only pixies shower before a battle. Iron Gold. 
According to security cam footage, Philippe meets Lyria for the first time on the 17th day of whatever month they met. Ephraim's address on Luna is located on level 17, and the paralytic gas that lets Ephraim kidnap the baby warlords was called Anacene 17. Dark Age. There's a bunch of 17s in Dark Age with like skyhooks and stuff, but here are a couple more concrete ones. Daxo has 17 baby gigaboxes. The stairs Lysander trains his mind's eye on has 17 turns, and 17 bone riders return to their dark lord. And that brings us to Lightbringer. In Hangar 17B, after Atlas is dead, Lysander ends up telling Cassius, my pistol has 19 rounds. If, if, he's counting the one he just used to shoot Atlas in the head, plus the one that's left in the chamber at the end, that would mean Lysander shoots Cassius with 17 bullets in Hangar 17B. Chills. Oh, Cassius, I'm sure Rags can teach you how to build by now. So pick a spot, build a little house, decorate it with some flowers, and prepare an apology for leaving Eaglet all by herself. I know you had to, but still. Wait for her in the veil. The last three tidbits here are a tribute to Cassius. First, a callback. Darrow steps up the ramp of the Arche to see Cassius's body. Thunk. 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 Calls back to the Arch Imperator's weary steps up the new forum. Clunk. 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 At the beginning of Iron Gold during his slightly premature Mercury Triumph. And we know he'll need more stairs. Because thunk begets thunk begets thunk. And Darrow himself said the climb is only just beginning. <sighs> Second callback. The way Lysander displays Cassius's corpse during his tight beam to the Moon Lords calls back to a very similar experience Cassius had on that very same ship in Morningstar. It also calls to mind how Cassius covered Darrow's nakedness at the start of that book, contrasted with Lysander's cold, calculated use of Cassius's nakedness now. To close out, Ori told Darrow about how Cassius saw him as an aspiration, how he feared rejection and route to Mercury, and how he shined when he found Darrow's love and respect. Maybe it's just me that defaults to a fear of rejection, but why can't the love and respect part of that be the default? And I think we all have a bit of Cassius in us, the bit that shines when we, just being who we are, can give and receive love and respect. So let me stand now and say, I am Cassius. Hiccus Aquila, motherfucker. Oh! I am Cassius. In my honor remains. <laughs> You're supposed to say, I'm Cassius. Oh, I'm Cassius. I'm sorry. No, I'm Cassius. Everybody's saying it around. Oh, we're all saying it. Yeah. Do I do it again? <laughs> no. Did I ruin it? <laughs> you did it perfectly. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Cassie P. That was a beautiful trip. What's that? What's that word where you like <laughs> believe numbers mean something more? Like, numerology? No, but you like see numbers and everything. Uh, and they like have a, a significance. There's like a term for that. My mom has that. Oh, really? She's always like, you were born at this time and this happened on this, you know, mm -hmm. like connecting numbers. That's the 17. The 17 thing is, is interesting it for is sure. interesting. I really liked thunk begets thunk begets thunk. thunk. <laughs> that was funny. That thunk, 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 thunk. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. man. And a wonderful little tidbit there. Uh, your last tidbit about Cassius. I love that. What you said about, you know, when you feel loved, you shine. I think all of us mm -hmm. feel that way.
Very poignant, Cassie. Thank you. We appreciate you. Yes. Okay. We'll do the Howler mailbag next week. Yes. So send your stuff in. During the whole mailbag episode. Do you know what it's time for now? What are we into this week? We're going to share what are you in? What are you into? Well, you stole mine, so I'll, I have a different one. So oh, you go good. first. Okay. But I'm piggybacking <laughs> our 10th piggyback. 10th <laughs> <Tenth> piggyback. <laughs> Just to round it out. Actually, nay, our 17th piggyback. 17th piggyback. You're right. My recommendation this week is a movie. It's called Poor Things. And we saw it in theaters, and it's bizarre. It is so good. I it's think very that good. everyone should go see this. This is the new pornography warning. <laughs> it, I, I will say, if you are a prudish, <laughs> there is a lot of sex in it. <laughs> I, was like, I thought this was Frankenstein, not Frankenstein has sex with everybody. <laughs> Spoilers, but yeah, it's very uh, artsy, very interesting. It's hilarious. Who's, who's the producer a, director? Uh, directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. And he did The Lobster? He did The Lobster. He did The Favorite, which is probably his most favorite, yes. uh, his favorite. most famous movie. And it stars Emma Stone. Mark Ruffalo's in it. He is fucking hilarious. I love like, Mark Ruffalo. It's one of those movies, like, it's very bizarre. And so you start watching it, and you're kind of like, What the fuck? What the fuck is going on? We also, on? of course, we're always late. <laughs> we, like, we all went to dinner before and then like ran, sat down, right when we sat down, it was the opening the started, credits. Yeah. And it, the way it starts, you're like, oh shit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it starts like black and white. Yeah. Um, like fishbowl. Yeah. And so, yes. And the fisheye lens is kind of weird at first too. Uh, anyway, you're kind of like, what the fuck? And then these characters are saying all these great lines and it's, it's like, and you're like, should I be laughing at this? Like you kind of are kind of laughing in your head at first and then you like, it keeps going, it keeps getting more absurd and the characters just get funnier and funnier. And by the end of the movie, you're just like literally laughing out loud at like everything that they say. And so it just, I don't know, it builds great that way. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. love that. And uh, yeah, we were, we, we, we worked out on the movie and we were like, was everyone laughing as hard as we were? Because, like, as a group, all four of us were, like, screaming laughing. It was it was great. So I would highly recommend. His other movies are really fantastic, too. Like, I, re- I really love The Lobster. The Killing of a Sacred Deer is a total mindfuck. Definitely worth checking out. Isn't um, The Lobster kind of scary, too? Not scary, no. Oh. It's just a black comedy. It's like a dark comedy. Okay. It's kind of similar to Poor Things in that one. No, I didn't see it. The favorite's good. Uh, the favorite's fantastic as well. So yeah, definitely check that out. It's really good. And I'm pretty sure Emma Stone's probably. It sounds like she's gonna win an Oscar for it. So. She should. Yeah, she showed great. her tits <laughs> a lot. <laughs> sure did you get an Oscar? <laughs> I am into this podcast. It's it's from a couple of my favorite TikTok stars. <laughs> it's called Give It to Me Straight. It's the couple, they're married, it's John and Alex, and they just like, they like yell at each other the whole time, but they're funny. And it's kind of like an advice podcast where you write in with like relationship stuff. It's just an easy listen. I, I laugh along to it. And yeah, the way, their banter back and forth 
I think it's hilarious. They just like what is it called? are mean to each other. It's called Give It To Me Straight. Give It To Me Straight. So yeah, if you're in between Howler Pod episodes and want something dumb to listen to. <laughs> yes. I like them. And then I also like their YouTube videos or uh, TikTok videos. And I'm sure that you've all seen them because they're like very viral. So yeah. Nice. All right, what's coming up next week on HowlerPod? Next week, as we said, we're doing our Howler Mailbag episode. You guys don't even have to read for this one. You can read if you want. Read whatever you want. <laughs> this is a free week. What the fuck? Oh, well. This is a free week. Read whatever you want. Cut. <laughs> cut. <laughs> I figured I should say cut because I said what the fuck. Is it too hot? Probably. Okay, I'll do it real fast. Yeah. Cut. This is a free week. Read whatever you want. <laughs> and not to be a downer, but it will be our last episode. We're t- we'll be taking a break after that for a little bit. So uh, I didn't know if you were coming up with stuff. Uh, well, I will at some point. <laughs> but Daddy needs a break from podcasting for a little <laughs> while. <laughs> I liked it. Oh my god. <laughs> Okay, special thanks to Miles for the episode art. Miles is on Instagram at mbensky designs. Special thanks to Nick Brenlow for the amazing voice work. Special thanks to Cassie P for writing in and calling in every week. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just one. Oh no, we're doing two. I'll double hand with the sad face. (laughs) Follow us. Uh, at HowlerPod, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy, the Howler Mailbag, HowlerPod at gmail.com or voicemail 1-800-516-1540. Send me a voicemail. We need more. Video voicemails are also accepted. Slide into the DMs and tell a friend about the books. They need to catch up. They got a lot of work to do. (laughs) I was thinking too, everyone should start putting Red Rising in those little neighborhood libraries mm, mm-hmm. like not safe for children and then stick it in there <laughs> yes five stars only if you don't give us five stars only then uh we won't dig you out of the bunker you'll have to stay down there with gaia <laughs> <laughs> she's super racist she's not a good time <laughs> all right thanks Ellers. omnisphere lupus Ow! Ow!